And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... This is Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. and legs out there welcome to live on four legs the live pearl jam podcast experience and we have a really good episode for you today it's vic theater chicago 2007 and we have a very special guest for you it's our fifth and sixth leg the creator of livefootsteps.org dave jantosh is here what's up dave hey how's it going guys glad to be here glad to have you on and um big deal here yeah, we're we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks that uh, that you were coming on the show, and, I, and you're you're an awesome guest because you 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 know just kind of like how other people do for the Pearl Jam community, you provide an awesome service with LiveFootsteps.org, which we're going to talk about a little bit. But um, it's funny we we really started talking because. I had sent you an email way before the podcast even started about what we were doing in the fantasy league. And I'm like, can you do this stat? Can you do this stat? So like, it's it's just funny. And then all of a sudden you were like, Hey, how's the podcast going? And I, I, I'd forgotten (laughs) if I had ever mentioned anything to you about it. So I I thought that was, I was very excited that you, you even knew about it. Yeah, oddly enough, uh, I I heard about it. Uh, actually, I found you guys. Uh, you're you're talking about it on Facebook, and I was like, wait a minute, that name looks familiar. Let me go back <laughs> to my old emails. Like, oh, yeah, he, he's looking for this, looking for that. Like, and then I I actually I went to try to find you guys at Fenway, and uh, I couldn't find you when you're over at a um, what was a game on? No way, really? I actually tried to find you guys, and and. I, I heard later, were you guys upstairs? We were upstairs, yeah. We had, yeah. that was a... Yeah, that happened to a few people that uh, had gone downstairs to that, like, that party room with the, what do they have, like, the pool tables and stuff down there? Yeah, yeah. We saw yeah. a couple people down there. They went straight down there. Yeah, I I, I went straight down there uh, and looking for you guys and missed you. Ah, oh, oh, that's too bad. We're... Next show, next show we'll all have to meet up. Oh, yeah. That, that that make that makes me feel good that that more people were were looking for us though that, that you know like that that's awesome but it's, I didn't I didn't know that but it's funny that you say that you like randomly found us through Facebook because that's uh, over the summer I don't think before uh, the 2018 shows I had any idea of what Live Footsteps was 
And for most of my stats, I was really going through uh, the PJ Stat Tracker, or if I was getting desperate, I was going through Setlist FM. But it wasn't until this year that, you know, because people were posting like, hey, you want live updates and there's no live stream going on right now. Uh, this will give you the live updates, what songs are co- what, what songs have been played. And then you look into it even further and you guys have like enormous stats, amazing stats that are just mind-blowing. And we'll get to those in a minute. But when did you guys, because it was you and your brother, when did you guys end up starting this? Uh... Let's see. We went live October 2013, actually. A couple oh, wow. days. Yeah, a couple days before the uh, the Worcester shows. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a while. It was about yeah, five years ago now. Yeah, that's because that was around the same time as uh, as Brooklyn. And we did, uh, that was the five-year anniversary that we did a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, I started out with the idea which my brother gave me. Um, we, we're also big Dave Matthews fans, and they have their own website, um, uh, DMB Almanac, which okay. my brother was always, always looking at all the stats. Like, hey, I've seen this song, I've seen that song. Yeah, you know, I want, I want to know this for for Pearl Jam. And at the time, there wasn't anything around, so. He's asked me, hey, do you think you could do this? I'm like, well, let me try. <laughs> and I, I started putting it together. And at first, we were just just had the stats um, out there. And there was no user interaction. Um, and it was probably another six, seven months before we uh, had people register and uh, were able to track their own stats. It's yeah, I mean it's so cool. It's really cool to to just go in there. You you kind of you get lost a little bit down the rabbit hole because you once you go into one show that you you even even your your own shows forget it because I was I'll I'll go in there and I'll spend I, I did it today too. I'll, I I just spend a couple minutes just being like, hey, what what happened at that that Hartford show I went to back in two thousand and ten? Like, did did they do this? Did they, it's just kind of a a good reminder, but then you look into it more and it's like, Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, they didn't play low light for 30 shows before that show. And then you just keep falling into it. And it's like, okay, well, what else can I figure out? It just, there's so much that detail that goes into it. I'm just amazed by it. There, there is. And, and it, there's, there's always this running joke with my brother and I, when, when we started the site, we were like, you know, after a while, we're like, when was the last time they played that? I'm like, well, you know, there's a site out there that could. <laughs> so we, we did it for our own, um, our own curiosity, and then we're like, "Well, just we gotta push it out to everybody else because I'm sure everybody else is wondering what's going on with you know because there's there they throw so many set lists out there that they randomize it and they do a really good job of of going throughout the years and hitting every album throughout a whole tour. So I had a, I had a question and it was more along the lines of since this is sort of a massive undertaking and they are really good about keeping stats and, and track of everything kind of out there in the real world. But from beginning to launch time around, how long did this take you to put together? Cause I could, I can imagine it being a bit of a job. 
Uh, yeah, it, I wish this was my only job. <laughs> this, this doesn't pay. Doesn't pay the bills. I bet it takes up as much time though. Yeah, it it, it certainly does, and and sometimes it gets to be a little, little bit of a lull when there's no uh, tour. Sure. And I'm like, hey, you know, I gotta do some coding. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. But you know, when there's tours, you know, we're always trying to update the site and and get things going. But um, when we started, it probably took about uh, close to a year to get it all up and running. Most of the uh, research was done by my brother, um, my brother Brian, um, and he gave me all the information, and we just put it together. That's, I mean, that that's awesome. That like, you know, just a curiosity and and your your knowledge of coding and your knowledge of uh, website building. I'm sure, you know, just piqued your interest. And it's not it's not that much different than kind of what Matt and I did we were like we were saying we wanted to do a podcast and well we have mics and we have you know let, let's let's figure this out let's let's get this done because this is this is fun and it you know we've kind of it it there's there's a a satisfying feeling of when a fellow pearl jam fan uh, communicates with you and they tell you, wow, you're, you're doing something really awesome and something that I've always wanted. And, and, and I feel like we're kind of, both situations really mirror each other, which is just so cool. Oh, certainly. It, it's, it, it's very rewarding when I get emails and, and people, you know, you know, thank you. And, and, you know, you know, Hey, can you get through this stat? And I'm curious about this or curious about that. You know, it's, it's very rewarding. That's been me the last couple months. I've been, I've been like, <laughs> hey, now that we're friends, uh, let's. I have lots of ideas. So, well, I'm, I'm curious too. I mean, I, I've spent some time talking to you, sending emails back and forth, and, and trying to like, oh yeah, that that's something I never really thought of because <laughs> working on it, I get in my own head and like, I, I want this, I want that, and I don't think of other things. I guess. Now what? Now you know. Anybody can go on this livefootstops.org. I'm telling you, if you're not on it, even if you've only been to a couple shows, just go on it and just just look. Just go to a time period where you're like, okay, wonder what they did during the binaural tour, and just look at a couple different shows, and you'll see just truly how 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 unique this band is that they can go out there and they can change it up live every night. And you can see the discrepancy, you know, when you when you have and you're on an album tour and you see like late, say like I was looking at a lot of binaural stuff today, actually. And you see like late in the binaural tour, they're down to like doing about four or five songs from the album a night. And you're like, Oh, so I guess this really fell out of favor from the beginning. And you can kind of, you can kind of see some trends and then you can see some ridiculous things that, that you think, think you would never see and songs that you expect to be played so often that we'll, we'll talk about a lot of those tonight um, in this show uh, that I thought were more common than they actually were. And we'll talk about those stats, but it's just, again, the rabbit hole that you fall down. But um, really before we get into talking about Vic theater, what, what's your favorite thing that you've stumbled upon? Like you're the most, like when you're, when you're, when you're, pickaxing for the gold there when you're mining for the gold what what piece of gold did you find that you're just like oh my god this is the craziest stat that i've seen out of this band 
Oh, geez, that's. Uh... <laughs> I should have been sure. I... I'm sure he just had about 500 things roll through his head right there from putting all this together throughout the years. <laughs> there, there are so many different things, and and to pick one thing. Oh, geez. Um. Now this this is this is my problem now, is I'm going to be looking up my own stats on my own site. That's awesome. <laughs> I, that is that's hilarious. Fatal. Okay. Fatal and other side. Fatal been played eight times. I've seen it twice. Wow. And other side played three times. I've heard it once. That's not bad. That's pretty impressive. And I've only been to fourteen shows. <laughs> that's really impressive. That's that's yeah. That's uh, a lot of collectors. I think would be pretty jealous of you for that kind of stat right there. Yeah, for for the uh, serious uh, record collector, yes, that is uh, <laughs> that that is incredible. Yeah, I, you know, for uh, for somebody, I, I've only been a twenty, and Matt, you've been to like thirteen, so we're kind of all in the same boat here. But I, I, I at one point was just looking at the songs that I've seen and kind of putting them in the category of like wow, maybe I'll never see this again. And and some of those songs I've seen twice too, like Push Me, Pull Me, which has been played less than 20 times I've seen twice. Uh, a bunch of other ones, but like, you know, out, out of my mind that they played in Boston, like no one's ever going to see that again. Just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. So that's, you know, to, to go back and to really look at your site and say, okay, it was amazing at the time that I saw such and such song, but the, your site proves how amazing it is. It, it's just, it brings all the facts together, and it's a beautiful thing. I do want to get into uh, Vic Theater 2007, and the reason why we picked this show, it's just, it's chock full of just rare everything you know, uncommon and rare and just holy shit moments. And, um, you know, I, when I, when I was talking to you, I, I was, I was, I, I had known about the big theater show from a couple other people that had mentioned it. Uh, didn't really know about it at the time, but kind of grew into it a little later, but what, um, looking at this show from a statistical standpoint, is this one of the crazier shows that they've ever done? Uh, for ranking, the it's probably about fourth rarest although i have to preface that with some of the rarities uh the rarity calculations that we have are based off of song plays and also how long ago was the first time the song was played or how long ago was the album released and then also how many time how many how long it's been since the song was last played. I, now, I noticed that, and I noticed what that, like, one of those in the top five was a show from 1992. And I right. was wondering how that worked. Right, so... So that was, like, pre-10, where nothing was played yet, or something like that, or...? It was a lot of shows before that have no data. Right, okay. It has so basically it makes almost all the songs there haven't been played in like between twelve and twenty shows, so it's a little bit skewed because of the missing data back then. So it, it's it's not 
the most perfect science. I don't want to say it's not a perfect science, but like you're you're basing it off of at the time how rare it was. The the one thing that I guess I I feel caught me off guard um when looking at my shows and how rare some of my shows were. Uh the MSG shows from 2010, the first night was more rare than the second night, even though the second night had Sweet Lou, Black, Red, Yellow, Hunger Strike, Breath, um, I'm Open, a couple other... How does that work? At the time, it's it's just basically, it's a ranking of every song, and then it's just an average of all those rankings of that show based on how many, so- how many songs were at that show. And we're not saying that, that this that this is perfect. Um, I'm actually, I would like to work and massage the uh, calculations a little bit, but it's, there is some equations behind this to try to get some kind of a a rarity for songs and shows. Okay. I understand. Yeah, I understand that. I guess just one of the things I, I was always boggled by that, that first MSG night was was more rare than the the second one, and um, I look at the two set lists back to back, and I'm like, I, I, there's some stuff I'd, I'll never hear again from that second one. But which with, that brings me to the point that you know maybe after that show they don't play those songs, but maybe before that they had. Right, right. So is there? Is there an idea to like add the science into there, like where you can kind of say a before and after how not just how rare this was at the time, but how rare all time it is? Or is that is that something you're working on or that is something we've been looking into? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. There's always stuff on my plate. Just got to find the time. So what you're saying is the rabbit hole is going to get a lot deeper, (laughs) 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 which I don't think people will mind. I think people would. These are things people like to collect, you know. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I was at MSG 2010, but did you know that was a rarer show than, um, you know, XYZ? And uh, people like Randy, he'll, he'll like to have that under his belt. I'll, I'll, I'll go to sleep at night trying to to think about how many times I've, I've seen a certain song and, and, and how rare it is and how, how many times it's been played. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get Rain Man about it if I have to. <laughs> I mean, there are some people who have complained or not complain, but mention to us that, hey, this show has one song that's been played once ever. I'm like, well, that's rare, but there's no way of comparing that to to it, that song, comparing it to itself. Like, I since we base it on, like, when was the last time something was played? If it was only played once, there's nothing to compare it to. So the the rankings are a little bit off there, I guess. I was at the 2006 Irving Plaza show, and it was kind of like a Vic Theater show, about a thousand people, and we had to wait online to get avocado, and then you get the, the ticket for the show, which was a week later. But you look at the set list, I think it's like 15 or 16 songs, and there's really nothing rare at all about the set list. It's pretty straight to the point and standard. But at the time, it it was it was pretty rare because everything was pretty much debuting that night, right? Is that what is that what? You're well, yeah. I mean, they did they did a few off the Avocado album, but what I mean is, I guess it hasn't aged well as like a super rare show because everything else 
Ledbetter, Alive, all that stuff, they were all in there. There was nothing really amazing about it besides the fact that it was only about a thousand people there in, in Irving Plaza, which makes it rare, but the set list is by no means, at least not in 2018. Has anybody asked you the idea of like maybe like doing like a a rating system, not not by numbers, but by like popularity, how you know, kind of how we do when we, we rank our shows. Has anybody said like, you know, putting like a fan view or something on there where like people go in and they'll, you know, one through five rate, rate the show. So people know, uh, not just by looking at the set list, but you know, there are shows where you can look at the set list and be like, okay, this, this isn't bad. And somebody can be like, dude, Eddie had no voice that night or something like that. Yeah. The, just recently. And I was going to think that it was actually you, but no, it wasn't. But <laughs> so, somebody was like, Hey, you know, I, I want to be able to rank my songs, my favorite songs or my least favorite songs and compare them to rank a show saying hey i saw five of my favorite songs and maybe three of my really horrible shitty songs i hate and get a ranking for every show they've been to i see what you're saying and and we're looking into that that's really cool because then you could have each show have a listener average like a um like a a rating average so you get all these people that vote on it or or that rate it and 98 percent rating among the fans or this one only has a 67 percent rating why is that's that? what i'm saying there? yeah and look yeah i mean i don't know how how you know in depth and detailed that could get because you guys already killed the game with that already so <laughs> i don't we're not trying to dump a whole bunch of of extra work on you here <laughs> yeah, give me all these ideas and me like quit my job and start this <laughs> start a gofundme you'll be fine go right. full time with it <laughs> all right so Vic Theater, 2007. We we chose it because it's a rare show. Again, about a thousand people were there. Tickets were impossible to get. If you remember at the time, it was hit F5 and keep refreshing, and you probably get the the wheel going round and round, saying loading, loading, loading. Man, you know, I was reading up about that. These guys had it easy, man. I would have loved. <laughs> I, I I waited online outside Tower Records for for eighteen hours to get into that Irving Irving Plaza show. These guys just had to wait for the the pinwheel to go around a couple of times to see if they got in. Yeah, but for GA, we still had to wait. You still had to be in line because that was there were no seats. Well, yeah, I know, but I was first in line, so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I only had to wait six hours for that. It's because you and Steve are psychopaths sometimes. <laughs> Back then, sure. This wasn't really during a tour. It was. It was kind of a. It was kind of a pre-show for Lollapalooza uh, of that year, and um, I, I can't remember. Were you at that Lollapalooza, Matt, or were you not? Steve was at that. Two thousand seven. Yeah, Steve went to that. Um, I'd started going to Lollapalooza the year after. Okay. All right. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if you were at that one. Um, yeah, I missed that one. Okay. So I mean. This this is something it's happened before in Pearl Jam's history. Uh, you go to uh, Astoria in 06, that's in London, and Shepherd's Bush uh, in London they, in 2009, and they were both kind of uh, warm up shows, so to speak, kind of you know small venues and trying to give back to the fans. But you look at those set lists, and those set lists were nothing like what they put together for this the big theater show. They put this show together. Uh, I'm calling it a, a campfire sing-along show for the fans that have always wanted to go to a show 
and get everything that they could ever dream dream of. That that's what this show was. I you know I I don't I'll have my complaints about it, but I don't think anybody can come out of this show saying there wasn't a song that I really wanted to hear didn't wanted to hear or I didn't want to hear any of those songs that they were I, I can't see how anybody would be really disappointed about what they put together you know what I'm I would, saying I would I would hope not I mean I, especially for people that are going through so much trouble to get the ticket right I would assume you know 99% of the people are walking out of there like holy cow yeah and and this this band is so good about just giving back to their fans and 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 you know even if when you do the math it's really about 500 people that get got tickets cuz everybody's getting two tickets so 500 people won and then everybody gets two tickets and then you know I'm going to give one to to this my my friend from the 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 board I'm going to give one to to my girlfriend my boyfriend whoever um you know it's i it's even small smaller amount than you think so that's what makes it so special and um you know there's a lot of stories from this and we'll get to some of them in a later time but uh i mean even soundcheck people were saying they w- they didn't really know going into it it was going to be a rare show until soundcheck and everybody started talking so this is what they ended up doing in soundcheck and this is pretty good as it is if you're getting any of these at the show you would have been like all right i'm in and some of these they didn't some of them yes. they didn't soundcheck is pretty good i am mine sad undone tremor christ worldwide suicide off he goes parachutes education love yep. rain over me yeah, so you got some from the set mixed in there, and then you have some that that didn't make the cut. And the ones that made the cut, I mean, like uh, Tremor Christ is great, and you don't hear it that often. And I am mine is is great, but you know, I you could skip I am mine if you have to. Oh, how dare you! <laughs> I know you. You always end up getting it anyway. It doesn't matter. I know matter. I, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing talent of mine. I don't know how I do it. Even even so, the. The stuff that w- that were on the set list too, Dirty Frank was on the set list. I got shit was on the set list. Light Years and Crazy Mary, um, which are all good for this environment. I you know you read a lot of comments about the show saying that it needed to be a specific environment. It couldn't be an arena rock show, and that's really what we get here. So without further ado, with all of our numbers ready to be crunched in uh we're gonna head into the show and it starts off with the preset and the preset is is eddie doing his thing and he at the end of the first track which is uh, a cat stevens cover of trouble uh ed would would say uh i come cheap i'm the opening act so i thought that was kind of funny but it's also you know obviously ed is gonna do this at this point they do about five songs here we're not going to spend too much time on them but i'll we'll run through them real quickly um mid midway through trouble ed stops and says that there are so many flashes that it feels like a disco in here and he said he needs some cocaine in order for it to be appropriate so uh squashes the idea of flash photography for this show which you can obviously do in larger venues but you know i fully understand his gripe here and uh, 
any any thoughts on 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 this one? Uh, I thought it was a little bit clunky when I was listening to it, and um, just he was trying to play faster than he than the pace was, and I think that wasn't the song wasn't meant to to go like that. So yeah, there... I, I I mentioned he did he did that. I believe it was the San Jose opening set. Sometimes he he gets a little bit ahead of himself. Uh, I didn't mind this though. I I like I like the Cat Stevens covers that that he'll do sometimes. So th- this one was okay. It was a little little bumpy. Not something that he's done really before or after. Davey, you have anything on this one or? Yeah, I was I was gonna say that I I actually I have the uh, the vault uh, disc and I don't have any of the presets and I wasn't able to find any uh, video or audio from the preset. But as you're saying, like trouble, you know it. He had some trouble with it, and maybe that's why uh, he played it five times before this show, and he hasn't played it since. Uh, I'm sorry, Randy. What song had we mentioned before where it was just so bad that they they weren't coming back to it? Was it a Backspacer song? Uh, Speed of Sound. Speed of Sound. That's yeah. What it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they really... the same thing. Bad taste in your mouth. You know, you do it one time, and then you. You cut it out after that. Or other things just, just fall into favor and you just kind of forget about it. With another cover that comes later, I don't like the version of this of this cover that comes later. They they end up uh later on in, in their in their uh their tour, uh they end up perfecting it and it becomes one of their better covers that they do. But at this point, it was an early one. We'll get to that later. But um after tr- after trouble, he talks a little bit about West Memphis 3, which I, I believe the case was still going on at this point. And he's, you know, trying to, to raise awareness for it. Um, Eddie was obviously at this point very outspoken about it, did a bunch of benefits for it. And, you know, just uh, really not not much to, to say on it. Obviously, uh, justice prevailed on this one. But, um, you know... This was really at this time. This was really the height of his his awareness for it. Just kind of telling the story of the time. Um, after trouble, uh, you had mentioned the song that was played at the San Jose show that was Dead Man, and um, this this is it. This is the last time they've ever done it. So it's an eleven or almost twelve years absence, Dave. How long has this song been in hiding for? Um, I think it's number seven. Uh, no, six. It's it's two hundred and forty-four shows. And this is not something they did very often to begin with. Uh, you know, from ninety-five to two thousand and seven, we only saw it. Uh, what is it? Twenty times. It's, that's that's actually really funny that the San Jose show was the first time that they'd ever played it, and this was the last time. I'd... Randy, we we tie things together in this, <laughs> on this podcast. Put a little bow on Dead Man, and that and is that's one thing that we love to do accidentally. What what I'll say is, so you have it on your site as Dead Man Walking, right? I have actually. I used to have it at Dead Man Walking because that was actually the movie that it was done for. Right. And for some reason, I go, "Why did I rate that?" I'm like, uh, I think "So it, I think actually, a lot of people refer to it as that, though. Maybe they have it in their head from." It, from well, there's what... the Dead Man that Eddie did, and then there's Dead Man Walking, which Bruce did, and they're both for, they're both for the movie, and only one made it. Right. Right. And that's why 
it was originally around I, I think like no code time it could have could have ended up on no code and then it, i guess i guess they just dropped it and then it ended up on lost dogs so i noticed that error and made that change so it's dead man now it's just dead man just dead man did you just make the change right now no, I made it this morning, oh. but still. Uh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was going to be a Live on Four Legs podcast exclusive right there. Yeah. <laughs> I did it for the podcast. It's that's, it's close enough, right? Yeah, well, I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. <laughs> I didn't want to talk right. about it and people see the wrong thing. I mean, come on. <laughs> what credibility would we have then? These idiots. Oh, man. Well, we're... I didn't think we'd be influencing this much at 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 14 episodes in, and and I, I guess I'm right. So, <laughs> um, continuing on and forward, the next the next one is uh, a tune called "I Used to Work in Chicago." I don't really know much about it except that it's a minute long, but other people know it more than I do. I guess it's one of those local songs. Does it never played it before? Never played it again? I don't really know what what else to say. Does anybody? have anything on this is, mm, is no just... i don't i don't know anything about this song really i just know that's just a little 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 ditty a little uh, folk uh, song kind of thing that you, you you uh you hear it sometimes in uh like sports clubs rugby club clubs and stuff like that and they change the lyrics up and and it's uh it's a little, sometimes a little vulgar i guess no <laughs> oh. <laughs> hmm. yeah i it's that's not i, I can see it you know, um, going into the next song, which is "All the Way," uh, Ed kind of says that "All the Way" is 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 a drinking song, and I can see it kind of being like that little Irish drinking song where you mm-hmm. know you just kind of you go on and you go go forth. But I, I again never never heard it before, and I have no attachment to it, so I just got nothing to say about it. So um, after this. This is the first time Eddie's ever playing it. He said he wrote the next song for the Chicago Cubs, which is obviously, uh, you know, next to next to Jill and his ukulele and uh, Harper and his other daughter. I can't remember her name. Um, uh, it, this is like, you know, his pride and joy. He loves he loves his Cubs more than anything. Um, the crowd when when he mentions the Cubs goes insane because it's obviously Chicago and says, if you don't like the Cubs, at least you like beer. It's a drinking song, and it's the first time he's ever played it in public. So, plays all the way, and um, he really doesn't know it at this point, and they've only done it a couple times, including a couple times at Wrigley Field, and um, I really just want to bring up to anybody that wasn't at the first Wrigley Field show that, uh, as the story goes, Mr. Cub Ernie Banks went up to Eddie and said, we need an anthem. You have to write our anthem. And Eddie says, well, if the greatest cub of all time is telling me that I have to write an anthem, I'm not going to say no. And he comes up with this just beautiful, beautiful song just about baseball and, and family and, and hope and, and you know, everything for the future. And, and even, you know, obviously – both of us are baseball fans. I don't, Dave, are you are you a Red Sox fan? Being up from in that area, oddly enough, I am not a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankees fan. Oh, oh no! 
<laughs> oh, we invited a Yankee fan on the podcast. Um, and this is this you can is the you can edit, you can edit that out. No, you know you know what? Instead, <laughs> we're we're just gonna say goodnight and we're gonna go. That's the end of the episode, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's laughing at 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 our sloppy seconds of Robinson Cano. <laughs> yeah, right definitely. Now. Yeah. No, I, I I grew up in Jersey and until uh, just about uh, you know ten years old. So I had my loyalties back then. I'm not going to change teams now. That's fair. No way. Yeah, I, I I don't blame you at all. And why why would if you're a Yankee fan, why would you change it? I mean, actually, Matt and I kind of did. We were we were more Yankee fans when we were young too. But I don't think we even knew the Mets existed when we were kids. That was it's kind of a dark time. We'll we'll put it that way. <laughs> Not a baseball podcast, and that's probably getting edited out, but that's okay. Um, all the way, again, you know, it the band capitalized off of this with uh, the Let's Play 2 documentary, and nine years after this, they do go all the way. So, you know, it, it, it when you hear this song, especially a couple of years ago, when you hear the song and you're a Cubs fan, it really does uh, fill you with that hope and joy and that, you know, just... Uh, that future is going to be bright and that if you just keep staying positive and keep the positive attitude, that's the difference between Cubs and Mets fans, that Cubs fans always had a positive attitude about it, but Mets fans wanted to, to drown themselves in a toilet. I think it's warranted. <laughs> hey, but you know what? In some aspects, the Cubs have always had it worse than the Mets. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, uh, Moving forward, um, again, all the way, not not really played that much, only in Chicago. I don't know if there was a time where he hadn't played it in Chicago. I'm going to guess probably not, because I know if he's played it four or five times, then at least three were in Chicago, because the other Wrigley one was in 2016 before they won the World Series that year. But I'm going to guess that they have not played this outside of Chicago. Uh he ends the preset with Picture in a Frame, a uh, beautiful, beautiful Tom Waits song, and the inspiration for the DVD title, uh, uh, excuse me if I'm pronouncing this uh, wrong, Imogen and Cornice, I believe, how to say it in Italian. Am I right on that? Ooh, you're asking the wrong guy. You know, Dave? I don't know. I think you're doing pretty good there, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna get killed for that. I'm sure somebody like John is going to write back to me and be like, no, it's this. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, beautiful song. I, anybody, I, you know, if if I talk about it more, I might tear up. Uh, yeah, Waits is it's great. Uh, this is a cool little rendition. You know, I'm uh, obviously not the biggest Eddie solo guy when it gets a little Eddie-centric. Uh, this wasn't bad, and this is a nice little way to uh, to end his little preset. Um, now we're done with the the preset. We're done with Eddie, Eddie Solo, and we get the band, full band on stage, and they're about to do uh, 24 songs or so of just uh, some that you hear pretty uh, commonly and, and not so commonly, and then songs that you're probably never going to hear again. And right off the bat, they do one that opening-wise, you're never going to hear again, and you're only going to hear 17 times if you've seen them live. It's only been played 17 times. So from Riot Act, the final song off Riot Act, they open here with All or None. Let's listen to it. It's all over. It's all over. 
It's such a, I mean, it's it's beautiful because the crowd is just, uh, you never would have thought at a Pearl Jam show that every single person in the audience would be singing a song like this that is such a deep cut on an album that has 15 songs on it. it it's the last one, so I, I never used to make it to the end of Riot Act until recently. Um, this is really a campfire song type night, and I, what do you think? opening with this well so we've talked a lot about riot act not really getting its its due and and uh it's due justice and and i don't think i don't think people realize really what it's worth because we we've grown into it so yeah it's a it's a little strange but i like seeing a deeper track like this off the album get this spotlight and of course it's on a rarer night so you got to expect maybe something like this to happen but an album that we've grown into, a deep cut off the album, gets this honor of the opening song. I think it's awesome. This was the 10th time I believe this song has ever been played, and they only did it seven more times since. Uh, anything interesting on All or None, Dave? It was the first time that it ever opened the main set. Um, earliest ever in the set list. Um, it's... It's the only one off of uh, Riot Act uh, on the, for during this show. I mean, right. one song, um, and and it's it's strange to have it open the show or open the set, um, but also they actually used it as a closer once. It, mm, it, that's it, interesting too. It, it it almost it it to me it's almost like indifference. Like it's right. like okay, you know, let's, let's let's slow it down. You know, we're coming out here. It's an awesome song, but. It is it is very odd to have that start out the show. I like how it seems like this song being very strange in both of the those uh, places that it it holds its own stat of having been uh, the opening song, also known as the earliest it's ever been played in a set, but also a closer. <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting for for uh, for all or none. I, I like that a lot. Now with this song. It's, again, the only time that they've ever opened with it. How many times have they done that at, you know, main shows, not including SNL, 
appearances or, you know, small, small festivals? How many times have they had openers unique to that one show? There's, we break it out in several different categories for shows. There's your regular show. There's your radio broadcasts, your TV appearances, your promos, benefit concerts, and festivals. If you take a lot of those out, you know, maybe maybe include the festivals, include the benefit concerts like your uh, bridge uh, bridge school. Um, you'd say it's about twenty nine show openers played only once, and then they gave up on the song for opening a show. So twenty nine different songs played once. Very interesting. What's so? What would you? You don't have to run through the list of these, but if you have a list up, what's what's the weirdest opener out of all of these? They open with "I Got Shit." That's interesting. I like that. I'd be into it. But that 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 kind of yeah, that gets you started a little bit. Is there is there one that just doesn't make like? Have they ever opened with indifference or opened with lead better or something like that? Or was that? Yeah, I mean, this they have like. They opened with Baba at a show. Baba That's Riley. interesting. And that was a regular show, not like a festival or anything like that? That was... That was actually a Lollapalooza, 1992. Wow, that, that, I could see the crowd really getting into it after that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, um, and they did this at one of the MSG shows that we went to, Matt, and this was part of their encore, and I think maybe 10% of the crowd knew the lyrics of this song, and then it goes, you know... But 10% of that crowd is probably about 100% of the crowd that's there that night. So, um, shit, you know, really, really cool moment that you get such a deep cut that hits everybody the same way. Unconventional on the outside. You look at it and you think it's a little weird. But listening to it, I think, you know, when you're thinking about putting the set together, I think it, I think it does work for this. And I, I was skeptical about it, but I'm... I'm into it. I think it works. Um, moving on to their, the second song of the set, uh, Education. Only nine times played. Uh, they ended up doing it at Lollapalooza three nights later. Um, you know, I'm not a big Education fan. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I, really? I, I, yeah, because you know why? I, I, I put this together with In the Moonlight because played both of these songs at PJ 20 and I like in the moonlight a little better than this. So I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, maybe I don't hate it to, I don't hate it at all. I like, I like it enough. I, I just, you know, you know how you get into songs sometimes because they hit you in a different way in a different time period. Maybe, maybe that just hasn't happened to me with this song yet. That's fair enough. Yeah. I like, I like it. Uh, and I liked it here, and I liked the spot for it. Well, uh, you know, I'm not really, honestly, I wasn't really even paying attention to set construction that much on this one because it's so crazy. So, um, it, it is crazy. The uh, education again is is the earliest has ever been in a set list up up until the next show in Lollapalooza where they played it really early too. But other than that, they've always pushed it later in the in the set. And it's nine times ever played, right? Yeah, nine times. Nine, nine times from that PJ Twenty show until two thousand and sixteen, they held off. That's one hundred and twenty-four shows. 
they haven't brought it back since Philly of 2016, so it's not it's not something that you're going to hear very often. But again, in this point in the set, that's you're it's so different because right here it's, it's this is this is corduroy, this is why go, this is severed hand, this is uh, I don't know. I was first thing that came to my mind was mind your manners, uh, which is n- no, not at this time. Uh, this is go. This it's just so much different. It, it sets the tone that everything that you thought was poss- wasn't possible is possible, and uh, right into it. The third song in is uh, another lost dog. It's sad, and it sounds awesome. It sounds really, really good here. Yeah, it doesn't really get better here. It's a great spot, and it sounds super tight. We had this one for the Reading show, and it was the first ever time that they they had done it. And I thought it sounded it sounded okay, but I thought that you know, for the first time, right. it could have been better. And I I agree. I saw your note on that. This just I don't know how they don't do it more often because if they can get it to sound like this, this should be in the set more than down should be in the set. You know what I'm saying? No, because I still like down a little more. <laughs> uh, again, this is usually what Dave, like maybe like eighth or ninth song in on average. I don't know if that's, that's something you have up, but like no, it's, you've seen it before. It's, it's right in a sweet spot, you know, eighth spot in a show. Um, it's been 11 times in the eighth spot. Okay, so that yeah, that's <laughs> that that's right, right on, and and, wow. and sixty percent of the time, it's right in between there. Right, right. If it's not at the eight spot, it's between six and ten. So it it fluctuates, but it thirty times it's been between songs six and ten, and that's that's awesome because I, I think in this point they're sort of replacing stuff like corduroy and severed hand with with sad, and they're giving it's kind of. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like uh, another baseball reference that I'm going to make, the ninth of this podcast. It's like at the end of the season when your team is really shitty and you got to get some minor leaguers in there. So, like, the guy that's been hitting, you know, eighth or ninth for the last month that he's been up in September uh, is now getting a chance to hit third and see how see how they do in the third. So I, I thought it was good here. I don't think they'll ever do it up here again, but again, awesome. After sad, um, we have probably what most people say is the pinnacle performance of the night, uh, besides maybe indifference. Um, they, this song is just, this is to me the best version live that I've heard of this song and the crowd destroys it. So I don't, I don't know if we should play from the beginning or we should just do the chorus part, but we need to do the chorus where the crowd takes over the goddamn song. Um, Here it is. Here's in hiding.
guys, that, wow. Um, sometimes a band can make the song, but other times a crowd can, can take it over. And whoa, for a song, again, it's another, they're not playing hits at the show. It's another kind of deep cut song off of Yield. It's, it, it is a, a sneaky fan favorite, but the crowd just goes insane. We've seen Pearl Jam crowds go crazy at every point of the set. This is something a lot bigger. So hearing this so early in hiding and hearing this crowd reaction uh, sets sets a, a better tone than I think any tone we've we've ever set in a set before on this show. I mean, this is <laughs> this might be the winner. You know, we've been to so many shows, and Matt, we we talk about. Just as much as we talk about the show that we've been to, we talk about the people that have been around us. Um, do you remember the MSG show with Ted Cruz guy? I was hoping we'd never have to talk about him ever again. <laughs> well, that's here's what I'm saying here. That you get these... You go to shows and you go to MSG and you go to uh, Fenway and you go to these big shows and sometimes you're not going to sit next to the biggest, I, I sat next to somebody at a, at a, at a show once that, uh, before the show told me, I, I just bought my ticket on StubHub for $300 today. I'm like, okay, cool, buddy. And then he sat there, didn't stand the whole time. He sat there with his arms crossed and didn't move until Jeremy. Nine times out of 10, I've been next to a dud and it's very depressing. It is. It is. I, I think even at Fenway, the people... The, the ones to the right of me were like, oh, we won these tickets somehow. And I'm just like, why are... You remember the people in front of us and to our left were... Oh, they, they were, were, uh, uh, they were unbelievable. Insane. So we, I thought we got lucky on at Fenway. We did do good, especially for not actually having those tickets. So, yeah, yeah you're... My, 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 point, my point on this is that this is the one time that you can go to a show and you can look around you and every single person is going to know every single song. And it's like, it's almost like you're going to some kind of Catholic school where everybody is studying the same thing and believes the same thing as you. You, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. And I think even if people are bringing, say, girlfriends, wives, husbands, boyfriends, brothers, sisters, cousins, neighbors their mailman whoever it might be even if they're not the biggest pearl jam fan they're with somebody who is and i think they're gonna respond to that so there's not gonna be yeah there's not gonna be anybody there that's not gonna be having a good time you know what i mean oh yeah of course not no i wouldn't i wouldn't expect that but i i think that it's more than just having a good time it's just um being able to appreciate every minute in the moment Anything stat-wise on this, Dave? Do you, uh, is there anything good to juicy to talk about with not, this? No, it, it's it's right around the slot it normally would be during the show. It's 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 incredible um, so far that this is right around what they would normally do so far. I've been listening to you guys. I'm listening to the podcast, and you know, I, I hear you guys saying, "Oh, well, this is right around where it's supposed to be." You know, this is where it's really good, and and I go and I'm looking at this, I'm like. You know, you're you're right. This is around that slot. I I did like a a sliding thing of like four songs here, four songs there, and yep, this this song is at most at this spot in the in the set. 
you just after a while, you know, you go to you go to shows and you know trends, you know little intros, uh, ways that they do things. I think I mentioned a couple shows ago that they do something with corduroy sometimes where they have like a little feedback and then they start plucking in the corduroy. And if you don't go to a lot of shows, like you don't anticipate that, but you if if you've been to those shows, they've done it before, you listen to the boots over and over and over again, you're gonna hear that little tease and you're gonna it, it and you know that you study these things, you keep going on and on. And it's just, you know, this is, this is one of the beauties of doing the podcast that we can kind of, of see things that, uh, we've seen before and never seen before. And, um, all right, moving forward here, we're only into the fifth song and we're getting parachutes and man, this is kind of, this is kind of like the elderly woman spot here. Uh, you know, the cool down and for a song like parachutes, probably, uh, if I were to guess Dave, the most rare that you would hear off of avocado. It is. And I, I would just like to say, uh, yuck, uh, not my favorite song. Uh, I, th- I think this really kind of killed the mood, but I-, I know you guys are a little bit fans of avocado, right? So <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I like it too. So, um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I do agree with you that does it do justice taking the spot of elderly woman here? No, um, it's not what I would have chosen. But I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound bad either. So I I can't really knock it that much because they play it well. I guess that's all I could ask for? Question mark. I don't know. Well. It's funny because I, I, for, you know, 22 times I think they've played it. Uh, it's mostly an encore song, if I'm not mistaken. Am, am I right on that, Dave? Oh, yeah. It's normally an encore one. Um, it's actually, I, it's a cool down. It has been played nine times in the main set, but it, it's been 13 times in encore one. Yeah, that's 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 kind of the spot that that I thought that it was best in, and uh, hearing it here, yeah, for for this kind of show, I think it is a good cool down, and it's a lot bouncier and quicker than the album album version. Um, I grew into the song; I like it. It definitely is a little poppier here, isn't it? Yeah. I just wanted to, Dave, uh, send out just a little um, side stat. I think Big Wave has eight more plays over this song. Am I right? It, it does. It makes parachutes a little bit more rare than yeah. than my white whale. Yeah. It, it, at, off the album, parachutes has been played at six and a half percent of the shows since its debut. And big wave is played at 8.9% of shows since its debut. Oh boy. I like those odds. It's big. So you're going to go to the show. You get a 9%. And how many times has it been played on an ocean? Yeah. <laughs> They're always playing in like San Diego or something like that. Hawaii That's, or something. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, last time it was played in Ottawa. So I think you're a little off on that. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Then what the hell, man? There's no excuse. Uh, so uh, I have to mention that uh, many people in the audience were calling Ed looking up to the balcony uh, during the song because Jill and I believe Harper is his eldest and I believe she's alive at this time and and a three or four year old at the time and he's he's looking up there and he's playing to them and uh, everybody said it was it was a pretty sweet moment so whether you like 
the song or not, uh, Eddie is, is um, doing it for a reason. So um, the next one I think is the biggest waste of a live song ever, but it's, it's, a, it's a transition and that's all it'll ever be. I'm open. This song sucks. It's not even a song. Yeah, uh, it's definite. just a nothing. This is a yeah definite transition moment. Um, I don't really have anything to say about it. It's the fourth time they've ever played it. And... I mean, it's my it's probably my least favorite moment of. Hold on, I'm just looking through the set. Yeah, it's about my least favorite moment of the entire night. So at least it's short and out of the way. Yeah, what what I'm curious to know because I I've actually seen this twice, uh, believe it or not, and they were both MSG shows. I think one was intro to the next song that we'll talk about in a second, uh, Wish List, and the other was the intro transition into Unthought Known, which are very similar beginnings that are very uh, uh, strummy. Um, what? Out of all 13 times, and I know they've done Moline, so one of those times has to be around the bend. Uh, what has this been the transition to the most? Uh, transition the most? Song after is I Got Shit. Really? Three times. Huh. Three times, and also it's been a, a true intro once. Where they just blended right into I Got Shit. And two times, Unthought Known was the next song after. So, you know, even though I don't really like I'm Open that much, I thought I thought it worked well as a transition into Wishlist. I thought it was seamless, at least. Uh, I, you know, Wishlist is probably one of the, the other songs on, besides Why Go, on the set that... that you hear more often and uh you know but it works here i think it works in the environment i'm just not a huge fan of wishlist yeah uh wishlist would probably be my least favorite part of the night if it wasn't preceded by i'm open but uh, like i said it's it sounds fine so i can't really get mad at it but it's it's definitely not my favorite song i mean it, it picks up the tempo a little bit i think from I'm open. I mean, even the even the guys didn't like I'm open. It, it took them 331 shows to play it live since it came out. Wow. So. That's and they still don't even do the song. It, it's just them repeating I'm open a hundred times. It's not, right. you know, with a room with with no doors, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I I don't even know what he what those lyrics are. That's that's. That's my most skipped song on on any album. Um, but this is this is funny here. This is something that uh, you don't need a a stat tracker website to to figure out numbers for. Ed changes the lyrics to under hundred under thousand hands up raised, which um, Ed can't do math because if there are a thousand hands, if there are a thousand people there then there are double amount of hands. So it has to be 2,000 hands upraised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ed can't do math. And uh, moving on. Uh, here's where you get down, Matt. You love down. Um, Thanks. And we're only at three lost dogs here, but something sounds a little wrong with Stone's guitar. Um, most part, it sounds, sounds like it should, and the crowd's into it, but... 
Lost Dogs on this show, we got five or six of them. Is is that right? Six. Six. That's that's including Dead Man. I don't I don't think I was including Dead Man before. Uh, what's is is this the most Lost Dogs that they've ever played in a show, or is that uh, is that award given to another show? No, there are actually two other shows that have seven Lost Dogs. Wow. What shows? What shows would those be? Wells Fargo, two thousand five, and Telnor Arena, two thousand fourteen. Huh. What uh? What, I don't. What, what location is that in 2014? Uh, shit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that before. That that's got to be that's got to be somewhere. That's in Europe, somewhere right? in Europe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then I I think that that's which I probably to... which I probably butchered the name right there, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> somebody will be somebody will be calling you guys up saying that guy got it wrong. Yeah. Somebody somebody does every week. Somebody does every week. Uh, anything on down? Again, it sounded like Stone was off a little bit, but most part it sounded okay. Yeah, it sounds like down. I like it. I like that it's become a little less of a of a rare and a little bit, you know, I feel like we've covered it a, a bunch of times, which I really appreciate. So I'll never get sick of it, to be honest. I'm, I'm never going to get sick of the song. Well, you like down and I like sad. We at least both get a piece of the pie today so i i, I love sad don't get me no wrong i know but you you prefer down I, I prefer down it's just a quick great rock song right yeah another lost dog here um this is probably the rarest of the songs that are at this show tonight um and it's not really the best performance of it but we're gonna play it anyway because we don't know when we're gonna cover it again uh, let's hear Undone. if it's the recording or not but i i wasn't there must be a reason why they don't play it live a lot because it just didn't it didn't click here it didn't click to me yeah no i i agree it comes off as one of those songs that just doesn't translate well live i guess there are some songs that are really good for albums and really good for studio and you think this would be better if Eddie and I know what your answer is probably going to be. If Eddie did this as like a, a solo, because it's more of an acousticy type song. I'm not sure. My verdict well, no, is gonna, I, my verdict is going to be out on that one. Yeah, and we may we may never get a chance to see it, but I think the idea of playing it this night is 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 the right idea. I think the song, um, when you're thinking about it in a grand scheme, is. Uh, 
it, it fits kind of the tone for the night, but um, yeah, it, it's just, there, there is a reason why they don't play it a lot. And it's, uh, it's the third time ever played out of five. Uh, Dave, it's only been played once in this decade. Is there, this is just kind of yuck, right? Uh, 184 shows since it's last been seen. And it's, it's right below dead man. It's number seven on the list. So it's, you know, since 2010, uh, 2010, um, yeah, and, and this is actually, it, it's not, for me, it's not a bad song. It's actually going to be turning into one of my white whales now because I ended up not going to a show. I could have heard it back in, uh, 2010. That was the last time it was hurt. It was played. So I, I had to get, I had to get married the day before, so I couldn't go there. So, oh, why'd you do that? that was, oh, I know what, you, what, what happened. I'm I'm hearing excuses here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, that's uh, yeah. Congratulations. I'm, yeah, uh, it was a bad joke. <laughs> Seven years, eight years ago. Congratulations. Yeah, um, all right. So no, but but my brother went to the show. My brother went to the show, and now I'm going to be chasing that because he saw it. He could you could hold that over me, going, "I heard that song." Yeah, that's I I see there there's there's usually. My my jealousy of like I have to go to every show and I have to I have to hit checklists and and get the serious collector songs. I I blame Steve a lot for that because Steve. Yeah, I was just gonna blame Steve for something too. Yeah, just because he he he's been to so many and and like it was just such an easy influence. And uh, you know when he talks about oh I was at the gorge and oh I was at at, at this and at that uh, I. Of course, I'm saying if if you go to PJ20 without me, I'm I'm never gonna live it down. So, um, yeah. well, and, well you know, speaking of brothers being total jerks, uh, he loves to tell me about the time he saw. I think it was in California where he saw them do big wave, and Eddie Eddie crowd surfed and he caught him. So Steve holds <laughs> that over my head. Yeah. I think he wants to do that episode too. That's eh, fine with me. We're just gonna have some technical difficulties when he tells us that story and it's not going to make it into the podcast. That's going to be how I get him back. Uh, Matt, do you have any guesses as to what the longest in hiding song? And I, I, I've been trying to think about this. What's the longest song in hiding right now? Like up to, up to right now. Yeah. Like what's mm. been delayed. I, I'm going to say it's probably not dirty Frank. Right. Right. Dave. No, no. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of what could be, the longest song though is it how about how about this i think i have a really good guess is it uh just a girl uh yes it is yes i knew it okay how many how many shows since the last time they played it 1027 last played in 1991 wow so if they bring that back that's a that's a serious uh that's a serious O face there. Yeah, that one blows everything out of the water. Was that up in uh, Vancouver? Canada, eh? Uh, yes, it was. Canada, eh? I just pulled it up here. I was curious. Town Pump. So r- roll through real quick. What's the, what's the top five songs that they've been uh, sitting on? Just a Girl, Get Right, Ark, Dirty Frank, Bush Leaguer. What was what was the third one? I I, I don't think I heard. You say it. Arc. Arc. Oh, Arc. Arc. Arc, it, Arc would have been 
Arc would have been my guess. Yeah, Arc is tough because they they have a cap limit on that. That's they they did the night the nine times and that's it. Yeah. Uh, even though Eddie has done that at a solo show, so you can't really count it. Doesn't count. Nope. <laughs> uh, Get Right is interesting though. That's that's an interesting one. Uh, not a very good live song, so I I totally understand it, but very interesting. All right. Uh, off he goes is next, and um, I had originally re- I don't think I'm going to get into all this crap now. I, I had originally written that I was getting on this tangent of, like, you know, maybe this is too much of a hipster Pearl Jam set, where it's just, like, they're just catering so much to the fans that are there, and, like, kind of like an F you to anybody that couldn't get in and get a ticket, because they were just going to go and do everything rare. They weren't going to play better man. They weren't going to play Jeremy. They weren't going to play daughter. They weren't going to play all this stuff. And I was going to get into this tangent, but I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that vibe is there uh, for this. Now that we're talking about it, you're, you're seeing that differently now, right? I guess so. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't feel like talking negatively about it. Um, I don't really agree with, with that. This is such a different t- type of situation that, they probably just they don't they don't want to do the hits and i think at the end of the night the crowd probably doesn't even look back and go oh we missed even floating right i i think one of the stories that we'll share later uh kind of touches up on just um you know quote-unquote obnoxious bands that you know again like the hipster version of a pearl jam fan that 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 will say like, oh, I don't want to hear stuff from 10 anymore just because they've heard it before. And we've talked about it, you know, just because it's rare doesn't mean it works at a certain moment. Uh, you know, sometimes they can play all common songs and it can be an awesome kick-ass show too. Uh, but definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that conversation I was really going to go on a tangent about it, especially with the next song after off he goes, but I really, I got, I don't, I don't have to do it anymore. Cause I, th- I think that's just wasting a lot of and time and energy. And, a little bit of, and you've had a little bit of a change of, of heart. I think, I think so. I think yeah. so. I think it, sometimes when you write stuff down and then, it, you know, kind of the, the pressing send, it, you kind of write it and then you're saying to yourself, okay, do I really want to press send? Do I want to show the world what I say? And then you look at it, and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. So that that's that's essentially what I have to say. Off he goes here, though. Do you like it? Good spot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't even talk. About, I can't even talk about spots here. Uh, uh, I yeah, I like I it. Know. I like it. Yeah, but I yeah, it's uh, everything is strange. So, but that's what's adding into the charm. So, yeah, strange. I love it. Everything is strange. However, this is the most. This is the spot that is played most. Fifteenth spot. Really. So I'm guessing that was a lot back in like the no code touring days, right? Because nowadays we'll hear this more in an encore one when they do kind of like their their cool down in an encore one, but uh, during like no code days where they do it because we haven't covered no code yet actually i can't tell you it it started 15 times or or 11 times at at slot 15 
and then 11 at 18, and then it starts going up from there. So you're right, it starts moving into the encores, but probably it was back in the early days before they found its position. I think the weirdest spot that I've seen, I, uh, Fenway, not not this past Fenway, but the one before that, uh, they played it, I think, second or third. Hmm. There was some weird, yeah, the, the opening sequence was like Pendulum, which was very, very common, and then nothing as it seems and, and off he goes were like two and three. I can't remember which one was two, which one was three, but I was so convinced that cause Jeff kept holding the stand up bass the whole time. I'm like, okay, just play nothing, man. Just play nothing, man. This is where nothing man's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, and they, it, they waited like another two or three songs before they actually did it. But I was like, so I was sitting there like anticipating it. And then they end up doing off. He goes, I'm like, no, this doesn't really belong here, but cool. I, Never going to say no to it. Uh, I kind of see this as this is kind of like an encore one sort of situation here. Off he goes hard to imagine. They're both songs that, you know, are played in different spots. I, I know you said it's mostly played in the 15 spot, but middle of a set like this nowadays, I guess a little less hard to imagine. Usually an opener or in the encore. Am I, am I right on that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's normally, uh, you know, set opener, um, but, you know, core of the time. Um, yeah. Either either main set or encore one. And, and I, I think it works. I, again, like, it's just, you know, the little quirks that the show has is just, uh, it makes it special. That's, I think, you know? I think what the show accomplishes in a lot of different spots is that when you're not getting your classic songs in the um, spots that you're used to them, that it shows you that a lot of these rarer songs that are thrown into encores or openers, uh, it shows you where they, where they could work in other spots too. Yeah. It's experimenting. And uh, yeah, they don't for as much as they change things up, they don't do a lot of real, you know, science science scientific experimentations you know they they don't try to to take a song completely out of its wheelhouse you mean in in like a regular set yeah yeah like they would never they would never do most of these songs in in those spots at yeah, a regular I mean, show but, and, and you you know for me that that i don't care about that at all if if they want to open with even flow, open with even flow. If they want to, if they want to work, if, if they want to do a live, you know, uh, in the first set, do a live in the first set. Set construction with things that have found quote unquote sweet spots that makes no difference to me at all. Even flow doesn't have to be in in a certain spot. It, it's all about how it works as a full set. That, that's what's important to me. I think it works here, and I think that most of everything just works here. Cause I think you're in awe of what you're hearing. And, uh, this is the next song is a stat that another stat that you can't get from live footsteps. You can only get right here at live on four legs because it's been five shows since we've covered a binaural song. <laughs> that is our own personal stat right there. Yeah. Yup. Yup. Uh, I believe, I, I believe it was the Reading show that uh, Soon Forget was on. I think so. Yeah, I was looking back because I thought 
it had been longer since we had covered uh, a binaural song. I mean, it's felt it's felt like forever. I know, and this is only episode fourteen, but I could have sworn it was like, yeah, we've gone about twelve episodes since we've covered one. You just don't see them. Goals for the new year are absolutely close to the top of our list is get some binaural shows in there. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of people that write in are very into the good old days and they're into the nineties and they want to relive those and, and, you know, us not really being from that era want to, to sort of discover those. And that's what we discovered first. But like now that we've really gotten verses and vitality, we've got a good grip on those and, and, and gotten like the introduction phases of those. Now we want to get the introduction phases of binaural and riot act and no code and yield. And I think those will, you know, as a hint, hint, I don't know really what we're doing yet, but we want to do them. Uh, yeah. I, I always attribute those times like, you know, yield and, and binaural, you know, those the late nineties, the very early two thousands is like a, I don't want to say a darker time, but definitely a, strange time and and i think we could get some really good shows out of like binaural uh, binaural centric set lists so i'm very interested to see where that would take us agreed and since we haven't gotten a binaural song in a while i think we need to play it and i think uh i think the fans need to enjoy it so here is god's dice good of a stat or what kind of stat there would be on this but is binaural the least played album of all of them in you know percentage wise or something like that it certainly feels like it and let me look up the stat (laughs) (laughs) let's go to the website yeah i I, it just it it feels especially maybe in even in, in 2018 or the last like three or four years uh you're maybe averaging under or around hovering around one, one binaural song per show. I've let me put it this way. I've only seen five binaural songs. All right. So 161 times they play a show with only one song from binaural. So pretty, (laughs) so pretty much 15%, probably a little bit less, but 15% of your shows have only one song by Binaural. Wow. That's that's unbelievable. And I and like 
I wonder, and you don't have to look this up or anything like that, but I wonder how difficult it is in this day and age to just hear two binaural songs in one show. Because it, it's funny, midway through the, the European tour, uh, they really got on this Riot Act kick, and they played Ghost at a show. They played Help Help one or two times. Um, uh, you are got in there a lot. And they were on this kick where they were really doing a lot of Riot Act, and it was the first time in a long time that I've seen multiple Riot Act shows played at one, uh, Riot Act songs played at one show. And I don't remember the last time if, if I ever saw two binaural songs played the same night at all. I have, uh, I just checked. I have eight binaural songs. I thought it was going to be a lot less than that. But you also went to a show during that tour, right? Yeah, well, you I, think you I wish I remembered it. Oh no, I know I did. That was that was confirmed, but my memory uh, will not confirm it. I was just a little baby boy. You haven't crossed off. Yes, I was going to say you haven't crossed off by Norrell yet. Not even close. No, I, yeah. that Toronto show uh, where they did the full thing. Man, that was that was days after the MSG show where we were saying they have to do a full album at MSG because they did one in Philly. It's only fair, and they go out at MSG and they play two, what I thought were pretty basic nights. Uh, uh, well, not not to mention Randy, we went on the the ten year to the day uh, anniversary of Avocado, which they hadn't done yet. So, figures that they did no Avocado that night, right? Not even, not even a reprise. Jeez. Uh, they did avocado this night, and that's speaking, uh, speaking of avocado. Speaking of avocado, worldwide suicide, man. This is like I I've said it before. This song is like basically you have a best friend for years and years and years, and for some reason you look at they look at you the wrong way one day, and you're just like fuck you, man. I don't want to hang out with you anymore, and that's what they did to more worldwide suicide. Maybe, maybe, and like, you know, they played a couple times in like 2012, 2014, like here and there. They haven't played it in a long time, but it's kind of like seeing that same kid that you were best friends in walking down the hallway and just kind of grazing over at him. You don't have class with him anymore, and you're just like, oh, that's oh, that guy. Oh, okay. And that's kind of what Worldwide <laughs> Suicide's become. But at this point, it's like their most common song off Avocado. Yeah, and the difference is you know, the friend that you dropped might be a total dick and worldwide suicide is actually a good song and a great song to hear live. So, <laughs> exactly. uh, so yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, we're only talking about a, you know, a year later. So it, it, I guess it would have still, still been in rotation, but it, it is kind of ironic that it's, it's in a rare set, right? Cause of how they have dropped it. So it's, it still fits in the show. Yeah. Anything on the stats here, Dave, with, with just the history of this song? They started out uh, five times when they started playing the song as the opener for a show. Which, that that's a good gauge of, of what they think about it. What they, the fans they thought it, it was great, and it kind of dropped off significantly. You know, And, and also, they this is at the 18 slot right now. Um, and normally they play, it like, like I said, opener. Um, 99 times it was played between one and 10. This is pretty late. Wow. And, I, and it's pretty late. And I think it's all been bumped just because of all these different 
you know, songs trying to fit them in there in different slots and stuff. It was uh, Worldwide Suicide was the opener for the Irving Plaza show that I was at, as a matter of fact. A lot of a lot of people argue that they think that Worldwide Suicide should have opened the album over Life Wasted. I, uh... I, I still remember it that way. It's like one of those uh, Mandela effects. If you ask yeah. me what's the, what's the first song on Avocado, I will... 100% every time tell you worldwide suicide and not life wasted and I I it's wrong but that's just how I remember it. <laughs> uh hey they're they're rocking at this point, you know. It sounds good and and it's it's a fan favorite and uh although you know it won't see the light of day for a while after this uh Bye. it's it's certainly hot at this point and then they go into rats and Man, Rat Rats has a really weird history live, doesn't it, Dave? Uh, I don't know what you want me to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's uh, for a song that's been around at this point. It, it had been around for 14 years, and it's only been played 35 times. That's that's that something's off to me on that, right? Am I right about that? I know it's a deep cut, but yeah, 59 times. It's is this this seems like around the right time like you know three or four or five songs before they end a set is this is that is that about right it's been all over the set list i mean it's been you know between one and five six and ten you know it's been all the way up and and you know they, they mo- mostly it's in the main set um, it's been played in the encore a few times, and even in the second encore, but it's it it seems like it's a utility song you could be put anywhere. Yeah, like they just toss it in, you know. It's just seems like that kind of song, or they have no place for it at all. Now, ninety eight to two thousand and six. If you were a fan of Rats, you uh, you weren't getting it. <laughs> 228 shows uh they brought it back in albany of all places um there's probably no stat on what albany did to deserve rats for the first time in 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 eight years but uh that's just how it went uh eddie brought out a uh a w mask during this um you know the talking about bush it's it's a little weird because of course uh the recent recent news about his father uh is is hovering so you know but this is this is a time where bush's bush presidency it's it's come coming to a conclusion and uh somebody actually during this screams out obama and uh i don't <laughs> think it was a thanks obama because that wasn't that wasn't the thing yet but uh ed ed mentions uh mr w here and he says he talks about he talks about BP dumping chemicals into Lake Michigan, and, and the way he's talking about it, it's like he's sort of alerting the fans to what's going on. And I, I mean, this was a much bigger deal, uh, and maybe it wasn't. You know, it was a much bigger deal because it was done at the Gulf Coast. But uh, I mean, this was so big it was parried in on on South Park. You know, the we're sorry, we're sorry, like. It, I feel like at this point it might have been the, the early stages of fig- finding out that what they were doing uh, at BP. 
Is that sound right? the way he was talking about the story, at least? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I think it was more of a lead up because I think that that deep water uh, oil spill that was 2010. So this would have been a few years oh. before that. But who who knows if this was like a track record of BP leading up to it? Which in that case, you could almost say Eddie gave a pretty goddamn good fair warning. <laughs> exactly. Kind of uh, kind of like global warming. It exists, people. Uh, next one is gone, and I write here. This is for you, Matt. It's a lot of good guacamole on this show. Yeah, guac. no waves. Good guac, no waves. And uh, yeah, I all I wrote down for this is just saying it's a waste of time to say what works in a set and what doesn't because never going to happen again. Never happened before, and you just really don't know what to predict at this point. So yeah. Um... I thought, um, what was I going to say about this? I was going to say something. Uh, I think mainly throughout this whole night, you know, we've been more talking about where th- where things are and a lot of stats on stuff and less about performance on this one. But it was mostly because I didn't really have a lot of notes on performances. I thought everything was really tight. I think it was on Gone, though. I, I thought it was a little boring. I might be thinking of the wrong song for the night, but. Uh, if it was gone, which I think it was, I remember it not really blowing me away, and I really, really liked the song, and I remember being just a little bit disappointed with this one. But this this doesn't, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get its real due live. It didn't back then. I feel uh, like I feel like it always needs just a, a little bit more of a push for some. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this might be another one for me that doesn't translate that well live either. I guess. Uh, anything on this, Dave? Is there anything interesting with God? I know it's kind of sort of in the middle of those avocado tracks. No, they, they 90% of the time it was like an earlier in the set. And then more recently they moved it right around this slot. Um, you know, back here it was in the 20 slot. And now they moved it back up to like the 19, the 21 Again, and the last time I was played was Moline. You know, that's... So that's, mm. yeah, that's going on four years now, so... Yeah. So, uh, of course, we get all these really, really rare songs you'll never hear again. Uncommon fan favorites. So to close out the set, we're going to get something really crazy, right? We're going to get Other Side or Dirty Frank or... Yeah, I, was, like, I wasn't ready for this one. Why go? <laughs> why go? But, Randy, finally... <laughs> I like it. If I, this is where I where I like it. So, I love Why yes. Go ending a set. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that too. You know, it's because you uh, know, you know, with you know, with Why Go and Animal for me, it's uh, I struggle with those. But perfect. Here we go. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, this is this is easily the song that was played the most during uh, you know that they've ever played the most uh, that was played at the show. I don't even have to look at at any statistical websites to to know that. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's by the hundreds. Am I am I right on that? Oh, this is like this is probably played like four hundred fifty times, and you're right around there. Yeah, four hundred forty five. Four four hundred forty five. Four hundred forty five. Oh my god, damn! I was five off. <laughs> I'm. I might be looking at these stats too much. I, I, I you know, I, I need a Christmas break. Yeah, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna close a set with rival or habit or anything really weird. So, 
if this was the only Ted song and if they were to do something, you know, I wouldn't say obscure because it's not obscure at all, uh, but it's not, it was never a single. It was never a hit. So yeah, throw it in. The fans chant it. They love it. And uh, it's a good way to send them, uh, send them off happy into, into the next part of the set. I was going to say, they've actually closed the main set with Why Go 36 times. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, but it's also, it's one of those things, if you're really deep into your stats and you're, you've been to a couple hundred, you can say like, okay, now I'm not just fishing for songs, I'm fishing for placements, so I really want to hear them close a set with Why Go. If you really want to do it that way, yeah, sure. All right. I, you got to have fun some. Fun, some fun with that. That might start to drive you absolutely crazy getting specific like that, but uh, I know it's what you're going to start doing now, Randy. Uh, no comment. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Move on you, and move you, forward. You won't have any money in your wallet because if you're going on so many shows, but... I. The next time they go on tour... I went to every single show on this tour to see them end with Why Go, and they only did it one time. <laughs> That's going to be Randy Imagine in 2020. That. <laughs> Imagine that. And, and, and you know what? You're going to be like, but they played Brain of Jay every night. I would have been like, yeah, but man, I they didn't close with Why Go. They didn't close with Why Go. So they closed with Porch. So yeah, disappointing. I, I, didn't want, I didn't want that. <laughs> so disappointing. Uh, encore time. Uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, back another sh- the other Chicago show that we did, it was... Uh, we we back in our third episode doing 2009 night two of United Center and uh, Thomas Young, who is a veteran of the Iraq War, he's in attendance of that show. He's he's not in attendance there. He's in attendance for Lollapalooza, but Ed talks about him here. And really, we, we've we've talked about the whole situation before. We talked about the song before. Uh, they they opened the encore with no more. And I just, I really, you know, I, I appreciate the sentiment and the problem is I just don't get a buzz from it. I, I don't really care for the song. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. I, I'm, I like it more because, uh, people will, will get into the, into the moment and they sing along and it's very catchy, very sing along type of chorus. I like it for that. Beyond that, take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't even think it's as catchy as as other songs. I, I just think it's. Just oh no, kinda... no. It 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 definitely is not. It's just. It's one of those ones where you're singing along to it. It's. It could be very catchy because you're singing with everybody and, uh, you know, it's it's just a, a very nice melody in, in that part. Yeah. What's what spoiled it for me was the first two shows I ever went to, they did this in the exact same spot and like in the you know opening an encore or second song or third song in an encore and i was just like eh, i wanted something else and no i've never seen it since and i don't think they've played it uh since about like 2009 or 2010 but uh oh okay here's my comment on it this this was really funny even if i like the message it's too much peace love hippie Come on, people! Now smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was two thousand eight, right? They did those the the back to back in in Madison Square Garden, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's right. They might have okay. done it both nights. I, I know they they did like 
who you are and WMA both both of those nights and right. all, like uh, yeah, we'll 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 cover those later at some point. But uh, yeah, I got no more on no more. Uh, inside job. I think they're off on I, I I don't think this sounds good. I think this is the first time all night I'm just like, ugh. Something No, and they off. seem to have audio issues too. Yeah. Yeah. Something's something's a something's amiss. Uh I mean, which sucks because I love the song. It's it sound it sounds like in the encore and a couple of the songs in the encore, it sounds like Boom isn't hearing the band. Cause he's he's a step behind it's a, he's it sounds everything sounds a little off a little a little bit behind i don't know if that's a uh, like what dave said if that was an audio thing like a tracking thing or if it was uh if or if it was actually they're playing something was off for sure yeah i uh this you know not the not the best version of it but uh this is probably my favorite spot. This is probably a pretty common spot for it, Dave. If I if I were to, it's it's pretty common. It's 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 a little late in the set, but it's 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 right around. Uh, around yeah, I, I I I want to hear it again, lie. I I've only heard it once, and I think it was that first show, and I want to hear it again. And it's one of those that really grows on you after a while, and uh, absolutely, a lot of people, you know, first of all. Mike should have Mike should have tried to sing the song because this is his baby. This is what's going to be his his leg le- not legacy if if you're looking at it from a uh, music music journalist perspective, but legacy if you're looking at it as a fan perspective. Everyone's going to be like, this was Mike's breakout moment where he finally, you know, did something that wasn't a solo he he spoke from the heart for the first time for such hardships that he had we really found mike's soul you know rise and fix my broken soul again it you know it perfectly describes what he went through throughout his time with the band and i i you know it's such a such a great song so i i don't know i that's what i have on it i don't i don't know if i'm uh if there's any follow-up to that i don't have anything <laughs> yeah All just right. that i would i wish it had, it had sounded a little better uh, a little yeah. bit of a little bit of a shaky encore to an otherwise pretty tight night yeah uh all right this is out of everything this is the most this is i'm, I'm, I'm so interested to talk about this right now because I, I feel like this could be the rest of the show if we had to uh let's play it first and then we will talk about it. But this is a song that was not very common at this point. But nowadays you're like, how the hell do we get rid of it off a set? So if you're thinking to yourself, what could it be? Here it is.
this isn't the best version of of the song. We this it's a talking point, so we have to play it. Uh, this is a great opportunity to discuss its live history with the band. So, more than any other song in their discography, it fast just absolutely fascinates me. They the first time they played it was what two thousand or two thousand one? One of those years. Two thousand one. Yeah, two, October twenty first, two thousand one. So it wasn't even it was three years after Yield came out, which a lot of those songs were just kind of ignored. Pilot was ignored, No Way was ignored, all those yesterdays ignored or very rarely played. But but Low Light wasn't even touched until then, and now that we see it today, this is it. it it's it's in the it's in like the two or three spot every show. This is you go to a show and you're you're expecting low light if you're getting an all star show. So, and it's kind of been that way. I want to say since like maybe in between Backspacer and Lightning Bolt. So really, what I want to know, and I I, I hope you have something calculated here. I do. Oh, okay. I do. <laughs> what a stupid question, man. <laughs> well, I I did kind of email him like five times about this one. Uh, I would love to know the percentage of times that they played this before Vic Theater, including, and then what they did with it afterward. So, what? Chat me up here. What? What this? How? How did this this live history go with Low Light? So. It took them 146 shows to play it live after the album was released. And then, since then, 4.5% of the shows, you may get it. And then after this show, 22.5%. So almost a quarter... That's a huge percentage. Almost a quarter of your shows were coming up on... You're gonna hear this. We, we've we've kind of talked about it before, just like how it, it's amazing. How did it just fall into favor just just like that? They is it one of those where you know after a while they play it? You know, this was the nineteenth time, so maybe they play it the nineteenth time. Then they play it the twentieth. They play it the twenty-first. They're like, you know what? We're we're starting to really feel this, and we have boom on the organ now, so it really sounds good. Is I I just you know I always felt like the song the song should have been a staple to begin with off a of yield, but it's it's just funny how things kind of end up. And you know that it is or always was one of my favorite songs and is still one of my favorite songs to hear live. Yeah, man, uh, I'm so glad they finally woke up on it. I guess you could say. Uh, and of course, uh, I'm I'm proud that it's a, a Jeff song too, w- which, of course, I like as a, as a bass player. But yeah, uh, I just want to get back to it on this night. Uh, not that great, and in fact, I thought I thought Jeff was pretty bad on it. He usually hits those backup vocals that he wrote um, pretty well. Uh, they weren't great here, unfortunately for me. So it was a little bit of a disappointment, but. Um, and also, I don't like it here. I don't like it in this spot, in this encore here. I'm so used to it being like a one or two, which is its new sweet spot. You know, that's that's where it belongs. You say that that's where it belongs, but actually the first couple times that I saw it, it was more like 
in the elderly woman spot. It was like oh yeah, seven, there, there was um yeah, there was like a nine or ten in uh one of the uh, MSG shows. It, it, I think it came after Even Flow, which is not good either. It was like I think it was like Even Flow, Low Light Down. That's weird. It's a little weird, yeah. Yeah, but that's <laughs> we'll we'll get to that too. <laughs> again, it, it it took them a long time to really figure out what the song was, but now they. Tr- trust this song so much now that it's an an opener sometimes too oh yeah and i i i don't want it anywhere else that's that's i think that's it i think i think that's the sweet spot for it yeah i i agree i think i think number three this song in the the number three spot is, is just about as perfect as you can get oh no i i i'm gonna disagree i think i think the number one i think low light is a number one song i think it's i think it's the best opener oh i see yep. i think i think it works so much better as a two or a three but that's a show that we're gonna do in two weeks so right we'll, we'll argue that then uh so i was gonna say it's gonna be the two spot most of any other uh, any other position okay all right so, so so it splits the difference we got the average there for I like it one, you like it three, and the average is two. So yeah, yeah I, I think that's fair. <laughs> when I say I like it, th- yeah, I, I, I can't remember if I've seen it more two or three, but either or, that that's just you know you see pendulum so many times during that time period that you can't remember right. with the their their three song slow slow burn. You can't remember really what was what because you know pendulum bumps release or sometimes to number two. And then, then you get low light. So you know, I, I there's it changes up a little bit. But uh, Eddie asks for a spotlight on Kenny. And if you don't know who Kenny is, uh, he is the organ player that everybody knows as Boob. I just think it's funny to kind of call him Kenny sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and they do Love Rain or Me. It's the second time that they had ever played it. Uh, again. Boom might not be hearing somebody right because it, this performance is just a little off. And uh, they've done it 25 times. And I, I I was alluding to this earlier that this was one of the ones where I think they've gotten better, a lot better at doing this one over time. And at this point, it just, it didn't hit home yet. It's not, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's okay. Any cracks a little bit. Yeah, this is, yeah, this they're, is they're, one Eddie has to be really confident to play it's, this. It's kind of strange. They're showing a, a little bit of wearing a little bit here after a pretty tight night and a pretty good, you know, pretty rocking night too. But it's also not really a long night, so I was a little surprised to hear this steam kind of getting let out in the encore. You never know. Sometimes you just that energy just all it gets bottled up and then uh you lose it a little bit so uh it, it's been a while since they've they've played this right dave they they have they didn't play it in 2018 yeah so 2016 2016 okay so it shows that eddie is uh this year was not very confident with it he had some voice struggles this year so uh it really became it I would assume fall out of favor to to other covers that he can handle a little better, but who knows? Maybe he'll feel better next year. Uh, Crown is chanting something in between, and it's let's go, and I put dot, 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 I don't know. 
don't know what it was. Mike and Stone are jamming a little bit though, and it goes right into comatose. And I was going to say, don't ask me what they were chanting because this is actually where uh, the Pearl Jam bootleg site stopped working on me again. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah. do you, do you not know what they were saying? No. I don't know what. No, do you? Let Stone sing. Oh, that makes oh! so much sense. Okay. It, it that makes sense now. Oh, I thought it was sing. I thought it was let's go something. Oh, man, how can I be so silly? Jeez, let's don't say. Of course. Yeah. And they did not. Nope. Unless he did some backups. Nope. Uh, and you don't even get you don't even get better, man. So he's not even singing in that. Nope. So you get comatose though, and. Uh, Really confident and ballsy to go from Love Rain over or me to to comatose this late in the set. You can tell when it's a good comatose and when it's a bad comatose because when he comes yeah. up to the bridge and he's out of breath, that's not a good comatose. That shows that he he lost yeah. it. He's he's Com- done comatose could, done for the night. Comatose is a really strange one. I love it, but it. Um... I feel like it has the tendency to be really bad more than it's good live. Uh, I'm like, okay, not, not unlistenable, but off maybe. I think, I think it's easy to mess up because we, oh, we, we, you, they, they mess it up all the time. Yeah. It's uh, just so fast. And I think it's hard to, they, I think they want to play it because it's, it's such a, it's such a rocker and it's such a feel good sure. song that I, I, I always want to hear it, but Absolutely. it's easy for somebody to lose pace, especially like when Mike is playing that, like uh, that little in between part uh, in between the verse and the chorus. He right. usually, he's usually a little off pace with that because if they're a little faster, he has to play that solo a little faster. Yeah, his solo it, is, is, <laughs> Not always great on that one too. Uh, no, it's. I think it's been a couple of years since that song has been excellent live. I I'll have to agree with you there. Uh, but keep keep playing it. I, I, listen, even if it sucks, I I still want it. Yeah, ends a mess at the end. I was gonna say, what do you think of it at uh, at Fenway, the last uh, Boston show? That was a mess. It was a it was a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. the only. The only time they played it in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what I was, what my memory was going off of as an example. Even though we've seen them do it poorly a few times uh, doing the podcast, so yeah, um, I don't know, I don't know. It, but I, I want them to keep playing it. There's one interesting thing about Comatose in this set. It's the only song from this set that they played Fenway this year. In the last, wow. last show, in the last oh, show, that's Boston. Level shit. That's the only song you compare the two. Comatose is the only song that they played on the uh, on the fourth. Wow, this uh, podcast that's... has been taken to new levels <laughs> for this episode. We are numbers, next level on this episode. The numbers never lie. The numbers, numbers never, never lie. lie. I mean, geez, they didn't even uh, play a live or even floor porch at this show, but no. But they do comatose. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's in- insane. Comatose. That would be the last one I would expect. I know 
low light they did the first night, and I think why go they did the first night. Yep, why low, low light? Why go down? Yep. But man, that's that's crazy. Uh, so during the middle of this, he mentions Keith Wismar, who we've mentioned on the show before, because uh, he's mentioned him before. Um, he passed away last year. Uh, but he, he worked with so many people from Soundgarden to Neil to Ben Harper and kind of dedicates the next one to him. Um, take one, Black Diamond. Uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt Mr. Effin is on the microphone, but you cannot hear him uh, during the intro where he's supposed to out on the street for a minute. Uh, you don't hear him at all, and all you hear is Eddie go, and it's really awkward. So they they go into it and they start to play it, and the band is just complete, complete, utterly out of it. Complete mess. They've never done this before. They abort it, laugh it off, and I you almost assume that they're not gonna go back to it. Doesn't sound like at first that they're gonna go back to it, but but they do. Um and we're going to play it because they eventually get it. And I think for a lot of fans out there, they'll go back to, to this moment. They'll go back to MSG 2008. And then really recently, we'll get to that in a second, uh, um, the last time that they played it. So here is a, a Kiss cover from dedicated to Matt, who's the biggest Kiss fan on this podcast right now, uh, Black Diamond. <laughs> Take two. Uh, Randy, I, I assume when you said Matt, the biggest Kiss fan, you were talking about Matt Cameron, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Not not, not me. Yeah, he's on this podcast, right? Okay. Yeah, he's right next to me. Only three times ever played, and they played it MSG 2008, which was my first show. We talked about that like eight times already uh, in this show. We were going to wait six months to fucking cover it. But uh, Ace Freely was there doing it with them at that show and then waited almost 10 years to the day before they brought it back again in Rome this past year. So three times, not much stats on that. No. And uh, and if we're lucky, they'll wait another 10 years before they play it again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Man. Sorry, Matt Cameron. I love you, but would you yikes. rather hear shout it out loud or 
or rock and roll all night and no, part no, no, of no, every no. day. Randy, don't don't misunderstand me. I'd rather not hear any Kiss song <laughs> at all. Not not even not even in part of every day. How about how about um, is it Strutter? That one was pretty good. Uh, I, I'll give you that one. Do you not do 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 you hate Beth? Like their 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 love their ballad. Is that the one that um, Peter Chris sings? I don't think so. Oh well, that one's I, not. But good I'm either. also not the biggest Kiss fan in the world, so I <laughs> because, just. I didn't think I didn't think you were. Yeah, uh, I got nothing on this except for I'm sure the Kiss fans in the audience are probably really excited. But Mike's guitar is incredibly low during the solo, and uh, if you if you're out there hunting Kiss songs. Then and you were were out there. Then you got your whale. And uh, I wasn't hunting Kiss songs at the show that we went to, but um, I got it anyway. So it's under my belt. Seeing Ace freely play with the band is something that you're not going to see anymore. So uh, cool. Sonic producer, Dead Boys. Um, yeah, he has one song left after this, and he's lucky because he doesn't have anything left in his voice if he wants to move forth to Lollapalooza and he's going to get some help with the song after this. Um, first time played in 109 songs. My question is, and is there inconclusive evidence? Is this the first song that Pearl Jam ever covered? It is not, but uh, I have, I have another guess of what it could be. Well, let's hear is your it, other guess. Is, is it sitting on the dock of the bay? No. Okay. All right. And in, no and there guesses. is there is some uh, inclu- inclusive evidence out there because there are a lot of set lists that are missing or incomplete and stuff like that. However, I've got a feeling. September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one, was what we have as the first cover. That's really cool. For a second, I thought you were saying because you said inconclusive evidence. I thought you were saying I've got a feeling, and I thought you were going to say. <laughs> It was this. I thought you were going to tell us what you were feeling. <laughs> I've got right. a feeling that it's no. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because that was. Uh, That's really cool. That was a B side, I believe, off of ten. So that that makes. But a lot of Sonic, sense. Sonic Reducer was actually covered almost for the first time a year later, September eighth, nineteen ninety two. That was the first That's time. That's my. That was my uh, fifth birthday. Is that sixth, no, sixth, birthday. sixth birthday? I can't do math. Sixth birthday, yeah. <laughs> cool. We tied that in together, like we we love to do on this podcast. Yeah, just yeah. just like we planned ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want to ask you about those that that sort of dead period where the, there's no records of anything that they did in, in you know random shows where they were opening in bars and stuff like that. Early '91. Uh, how many of those shows are out there? There's about 58 shows. Wow. 58 missing set lists out of 1,030-something. So that's like... That's pretty good. That's like going on like an Indiana Jones-type chase. Like, you know, you go into the library under the under the, the floor floorboard to go and find like a tomb or something like that. Ah, so so this was the first set list. Then you're getting chased by Nazis or something like that. I bet Stone has him at his house in like a folder, and just to be funny, isn't telling anybody that he's got him. They're they're in his basement next to his Grammy, or they're next to his coffee mugs. 
Yeah, yeah, he's got him. He's got him in like a filing cabinet with his, you know, with his uh, 2018 tax returns. Sonic producer, you know, he's he's losing it, but it's okay. Uh, you know, it's getting towards the end of the night, and uh, best friend Ben Harper comes out to close the night with him, and he does indifference, and it doesn't make a difference whether or not he does with my own two hands at the song. Um, cause that's the best version, but it doesn't make a difference cause we're going to play it anyway. Cause when Ben Harper joins Pearl Jam for a song, you play the fucking song. Anybody that joins the band on a song, Ben Harper makes it his own, and it's so he doesn't try to be Pearl Jam like maybe some other people would, or like you know try to kind of assimilate to what the what, how the band is playing. He he just tears it up, and he's just completely himself, and he and he does it in his own style. And, and um, I mean, he he does indifference on in his own shows he, he did for a while and, and it's just it sounds so freaking good it, it's true there's a difference between when cheap trick comes out and they do surrender or when or when sting comes out and they did driven to tears which was really great i mean I, I thought that was amazing i thought that was a real surprise and that was a lot of fun but when ben harper comes out and he's singing on indifference it is haunting and yeah. really Really memorable. Uh, I had to go on YouTube and watch the. They have a. Uh, this is one of the videos that they have on YouTube for it. Uh, all the lights are down. Eddie's just kind of chilling out in the back. It's it's something. It's really cool. Yeah. Again, it's not. It's not the best version because not the live, best version, but live but, at the garden is. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Always that this good. Is, this is special in its in its own way, especially because you're getting indifference as the closer, which I'm super jealous of, and then. You know, Ben Harper comes out and he does still an amazing version. It's just it, it's a cool cap for the night. Yeah, I I can't I can't think of a better way to end it. Um, you know, at a big arena show, at a big anniversary show, you're going to end the night with Ledbetter and that seems appropriate. But here uh, your most kind of depressing, little mystical, you know, but powerful song. Uh, to end it with the, the crowd just going home happy with... You finish it off with that campfire feel. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Book end it. So yeah, that's... Um, I think I think the fans really got a treat this night. And why don't we all uh, rate the show? 
You want to go first? Should we let, let's let our guests go first. How- mm, oh God, I was about to say, not me, not me. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> we got to throw you under the bus a little bit here. Not oh like my. Not, not, like, not like we didn't put you on the spot the entire episode or anything. Dozens of times, yes. I'd probably give this probably an eight stick men. I, th- I think it deserves it. I mean, it's it, it's all over the place with, with set lists, um, rarities. It's it it really you're, you're probably never going to see these all again. Um, at least not together or even half of them. So I, I would say an eight. Is this one of the most unique set lists that you can find on on looking through your website that you could just say, "Whoa!" Again, like you like you said, they'll never play these songs uh, with each other again. Oh yeah, definitely. These are not going to be, you know, seen again. Uh, at least, at least in the next ten years, until they do another one of these or, or or something, one of these another secret shows or something. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it can happen soon, and maybe we'll all get a chance to go. Maybe it'll all just be live on Four Legs fans. Yeah, yeah. See if we can make that happen. Um. Matt, what do you got? Uh, yeah, so it basically took the words out of my mouth. It, it didn't really matter too much about construction for me on this one. Actually, it didn't matter at all. How do you really construct something like this? You know, it's it's very special and one-off, and and I think it definitely is deserving of an eight. But you know me, I'm, I'm very performance-driven. That's first and foremost. And I thought both the encores... Uh, Sans indifference was a, a little bit sloppy for me, so I'm gonna go seven point five, only because um, uh, lost some steam really fast. Uh, I don't know why. So seven point five. I'm gonna steal a quote from the stupid guy from that stupid show uh, on Storage Wars. Uh, it's the wow factor, man. It's the wow factor. That's that's what the show was. It was. The wow factor, and then and people still talk about it to this day, uh, and they won't stop talking about it. It's not it's not just some regular old show in, in Halifax or some crap like that. Uh, it's it's special. It has its it has its moments. It has its serious uh, uh, stunners, and it has not not just that, but it, it has songs that you would hear like in in hiding or a sad uh, more often than not that sounded terrific and it just had that environment that brought everybody together like the campfire that that we were saying before um i i can't give it lower than an eight but i can't give it higher than an eight because i think that there were some technical and some performance issues especially like matt matt said and we talked about in the encore uh the encore was really rough uh as far as putting a set list together as far as as going out and trying to give the fans everything that maybe they had dreamed of at one point or wouldn't have ever expected, I think they accomplished that goal. And I think that they they knocked it out of the park on that aspect. And while, you know, I had some negative thoughts in my mind ahead of time that maybe they should have uh, spliced in a hit or two, it doesn't matter because, again, never going to do this again. So why not? Do it to its full extent. Go all out and kill it. And that's what they did. And the fans got a show out of it. I think you just needed to talk about it and get some of those stats 
probably with, with the set breakdown i think because uh, i didn't want to feel that way missing hits and missing fan favorites stuff like that i i of course you immediately go to that thought like oh well you couldn't have just thrown one in there you couldn't have done what you know that, this like that, do the this do do the evolution probably could have fit in it probably could have so yeah there, there was a second there where i thought that too and then i had to say no this that that is that is the absolute opposite intention of what of what this whole show is about so right once I really kind of forced myself into that mindset and then basically just ignored everything we ever thought about set construction <laughs> or what we expect, then I really, th- this whole thing kind of really came together. Hey, if that's, look, you see him uh, 20 times out of 21 times or whatever it is, you can, you can miss it. You can miss it one more time. Yeah, you see, you see even flow 20 times out of 19 that's not even mathematically possible, and, and it still happens. <laughs> I've, I've not seen it twice, which is really pretty good in 20 shows. So, Well, we had a blast today. Thank you so much, Dave. Livefootsteps.org is an absolute, it is a Pearl Jam fan treasure trove of goodies. If you haven't logged in and gotten an account, uh, just do it now so we can see the uptick after the show airs that we can see the uptick of everybody going on and, and getting accounts. No, I'm yeah, kidding. We could, we could take, we could take full credit for that. Yeah, I'm kidding. No, go do <laughs> yeah. it because. <laughs> oh, thank you guys. Yeah. As, as a fan, you're just going to absolutely love it. And, and Dave, all the stuff that you brought to the show today. Thank you so much. Um, I want to have you on again to just have you on as a regular guest and not like throw, you know, actual, uh, stats in your face and be like, Oh, did this happen there? And this happened there? No, we're, we're going to have you on again. Cause you've actually been to a show that have both Matt and my, uh, and my white whale back to back. And that's the only time that they've ever done it back to back. I think we talked about this. Right. And it, it is rare too. So yeah, I, we would, yeah. Defi- I would definitely like to be on again, guys. Thank you very much. You got it. Absolutely. And again, if you're not on livefootsteps.org, if you're not checking it out, you're not doing it right. So you are not, you are not doing it right. You got to you got to get on there. Just you could tell the amount of work that has gone into this website. It's very impressive. It's insane. Yeah, we're you know we're we're not worthy. You guys uh, do a great you job. Guys. You and your brother. Thank you so much for coming on. We're gonna do this again sometime. All right, great. Thanks, guys. Uh, I thought that was uh, an awesome podcast we just had there with Dave. That was sweet definitely did yeah that was can't get better than that i mean no we can't thank him enough so thank you again it's just it's cool the community really kind of comes together and things like this like he you know he does the same kind of thing that we do he just kind of you know takes his personal time it's a labor of love and he goes out there absolutely just he's he's doing the hard work right and he just does it because he wants to see other fans like himself be happy and enjoy something. And I think that's just, it, it's so, it's so important to have people like that. I, I, it's not like I'm trying to be somebody. I, 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 I'm, I always try to be the person that I would envy essentially. And I, and I think we've said on the show before, if we weren't covering the show and somebody else was doing it, I'd be so fucking jealous of that because it's such a, uh, you know, I want it to be something that I would listen to, you know, and, uh, that, and, uh, yeah. um, and I think 
uh, we might have mentioned it, but I don't think Dave realizes how much he uh, has helped us with with the podcast. So, oh, for having sure. him on is kind of like having, you know, the OG on that that it all started from. For sure, without a doubt, and I think he's at the point where he's been doing it for so long that people will will share his stuff. They'll they'll say, "Hey, go to live footsteps for this," and last this past weekend was the first time somebody shared our podcast uh, on one of the pages and asked people, Hey, is this any good without like any prompting from me or anybody else? And I, I was nervous. I was, I, I, I asked her, I'm like, uh, Hey, this is my show. You know, I, uh, I'd love to know what you think about it. And she's like, well, she was listening to, I think, the San Jose episode, and she was like, well, you guys weren't really very positive about the new album, and that kind of scared me a little bit. And I'm like, well, and I <laughs> kind, of, kind of explained myself. And You, you got to do what a lot of people do. You got to go to the worst possible case scenario first. <laughs> so then it has no nowhere else to go but up, you know? Well, and, and, It's and, pretty and realistic. It is. And, and, you know, a lot of people came to us and, and it's funny because we got an email this week a very very sweet email from from adrian yeah, uh who yeah. is one of our our first and finest fans and she said that and she was very honest with us she was like i i came and hung out with you guys in boston because you were giving away free shit i'm like okay well a lot of people were and then she's like then i listened to the first episode and i thought you guys were way too negative and way too critical i'm like well we started okay. off with a little bit of a hot button show for sure we did, yeah, and uh, it was not the way I wanted to start off. It was not a great introduction, uh, and other people had said that too. They were like, "You're way too negative for Pearl Jam. I just want all positive stuff." And I was like, "Well, that wasn't a positive show." So, and then she said, "Then I started listening to it more and more, and I couldn't, you know, it's just listening to you guys and listening to the analysis and everything like that." And and then she said something that made made me so happy that somebody even marginally thinks this that she says keep doing what you're doing it makes my heart happy we spend a lot of time researching and recording and editing and it it takes a lot of time away from you know friends and relationships and family and we're not gonna put all that time in if we're not fans of what we're talking about so if we're a little negative and critical maybe it's because the show and the band wasn't that good most of the time we're going to be very positive about things but I, i think I think first and foremost, Randy, we want to be honest with ourselves and with everybody. So, so just, you know, if, if there's something you disagree with us on, that's kind of exactly why we're here. So, and maybe we could change your mind and maybe you could change our mind. So keep listening, keep hating us, keep liking us. That's what we want. We, we want the reviews and and we We want to be engaging. We just want to be engaging and entertaining. And, and, And I, and I appreciate that woman's opinion about us being a little too, uh, uh, maybe critical or nervous about the new album because a- at least she's listening and she she uh, she's worried about our opinion about it and she has yeah. her opinion and that's great now we're talking about it on the show it seemed it seemed like we kind of talked it out afterwards and I'm like I, I kind of explained myself I said well it's not like I it's not like I was saying I it was going to be terrible I was saying it, it, you know you should I'm not keeping my hopes up but I, it, and then she was like, well, I've been a fan since 91, and, and I just want something good again, and I, I, I don't want another lightning bolt. That just sort of scared me a little bit. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't know if she listened to the, to the show anymore. Uh, I hope she did, but, uh, her name was Valerie. I believe v- Valerie. We did not mean to scare you. I, pr- no. I promise. We're going to only do two. I've got, I got a lot of stories for this one. And first one comes from Reddit and it's from Poto one Oh one. Uh, this kind of defines how tough it was to actually get a ticket to this. He said, I was fortunate enough to attend that night. My girlfriend, now my wife, good, good on you guy, uh, helped me get in, get tickets using two laptops and one desktop computer with at least two browsers open in each. I think Safari was the one that got us the tickets. So far, he's so goody. Uh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. We, we lined up around lunchtime, standing around the corner on Fletcher Street, so we couldn't hear sound check from the line, but my buddy and I took turns walking by the front of the door of the theater. Up front, you can see about twenty to uh, ten to twenty people that clearly camped out overnight in line. Also, my buddy's sister lived nearby and brought us snacks. We thought of it as a warm-up show, like the Showbox in O2, so we didn't anticipate a special set list. There was no special promotion of any kind. We just knew it would be special because of the size of the venue. The vibe on the floor was amazing. The floor was only Ted Club. The balcony was VIP industry people and definitely weren't as into it. Uh, seemed to be friends and family, uh, Jill and the kid, uh, and Harper. I don't remember his other daughter, daughter's name and, uh, it's killing me. I can't uh, remember so, either. So that, that, that's, that's John who's going to email me like, and, and, and tell me right away. So I, everybody else just, just save, save your, uh, save your email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan Dempster and Kerry Wood were in another box. They were former pitchers for the Cubs. You probably remember Kerry Wood because he was good for a year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the floor was pretty crazy as it was general admission and everybody's super into the show. It's such an intimate venue. I've been to 18 Pearl Jam shows and in hiding from the Vic is still my favorite live show moment. The crowd drowned out Eddie who put the mic who put down the mic and let us sing the chorus. If you listen to the boot, the crowd is louder than Eddie when he sings no longer overwhelmed. Yeah. It seems so fucking simple now, which we played and is just, it's it's really good. Uh, It wasn't until after we walked out of the show and sat on the L platform that we looked at each other and realized how amazing that show was. We didn't expect to see them in that kind of venue ever again. And weren't sure if we'd hear that many rarities at any other show. And, 11 years later and you're you're pretty much you're right never gonna see that again yeah it's a pretty good description of the show i think uh we had a bunch of other ones that kind of talked about uh you know people not getting in uh and getting the tickets and then some about uh how it was difficult to be on the ga because the ga was a little crazy and somebody was on the rail and, and uh, was pushed off the rail, something like that. Uh, we could, we could, we can't tell every story today because we're kind of crunched for time a little bit, but uh, there was one post from the porch message board from NW Ontario. Uh, he shared a blog entry that he had written around the time. And I wanted to share this because this is kind of what I was, what I was getting to that I was going to kind of go into this opinion, but I think this sort of explains why somebody would be agitated at this show. 
So this is what NW Ontario says. Now, don't get me wrong. I love hearing Pearl Jam play its more obscure songs. It's one of the reasons I keep seeing them. But that does not mean I want 10 banished from the records of human existence. Something certain fans, and he has fans in quotation marks, would be glad to see happen. It's an attitude I don't understand. Pearl Jam isn't a band for snob obscurantists, since anyone who can headline Lollapalooza is, by definition, incredibly popular. If you're so wrapped up in trying to appear to be the biggest fan in the world, in parentheses, my favorite song was Sweet Lou, even before Lost Dogs. Yeah, a few of those people are out there, but it's okay. Then you're actually missing the point of by a considerable margin. On the other hand, club shows are a problem are problematic from a setlist point of view. Some sh- some songs are too big for a small venue, which I agree. I kind of agree with it since if they're they're at that height of popularity, you know the song like playing a live in a small venue after they've played it in, in front of hundred thousand people um i completely disagree with that I, I don't think the venue matters but there's a few things i agree with and disagree with here but keep going i, I want to hear okay the uh some songs are too big for a small venue which a point of which i made every time i've seen the tra- tragically hit play a club show i think pearl jam knows this which i think helps explain why the vict played out the way it did Throw in a full floor full of people who've seen every trick in your repertoire and you got the ingredients for an unusual night. But after hearing string of rarities, Shirkin, who is somebody, and I, probably his friend that he went with, Shirkin and I began feeling nonplussed. Rats? Whatever. Love right over me? Meh. Matt Cameron singing a kiss song from behind a drum kit? You get the idea. It's not that it wasn't a great show. It's that the element of surprise was almost immediately taken away, which effectively robbed one of the vital ingredients of any classic Pearl Jam concert. Not even Ben Harper's surprise guest appearance felt like a real surprise. I guess what I'm saying here is is this. As much as I enjoyed the experience of seeing Pearl Jam at the Vic, I wouldn't rank it alongside Buffalo 2003 or Toronto 2006. Okay, thanks for, for the leads there. As one of the great all-time show shows that i've seen the band perform but it was certainly a unique opportunity and if it sounds like i'm being ambivalent about it trust me i'm not but unique and life-altering are two different things and in the aftermath of the show when i heard people comparing it to the birth of their first child well it left me feeling kind of cold and having said all that hey i was 20 feet away from any better at a show where i heard 14 different songs i had never heard live before and where matt cameron sang a kiss song from behind the drum kit I'm really not complaining. I'm simply saying as delicately as possible that I've seen better from the band. And I think if most people who are in attendance would be completely honest that they probably have as well. I don't think he's being cold at all. I think that's a very honest opinion and I agree. I completely agree with it. Um, and I, and I also agree with what he said. Yeah. I, I don't want 10 stricken from the history books at all. And I completely disagree with, um, with people that, are down on that or, or would rather just have rare nights all the time. No, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think you need 10, you need sh- songs like that. Um, just the only thing I don't agree with is that, um, I, I think songs like alive and even flow and stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't think they have a place here. And I think those are actually the songs that would have been out of place on a night like this. And I think maybe over time, Maybe you could see that a little bit more. Maybe that night, 
um this guy uh, uh thank you for writing in by the way um maybe that this night- is actually still stolen from his blog but he did write in to say that he had one point at one point been critical of it right yeah so maybe that night i could i could see maybe there being a little bit of a disappointment you like he said, it's it's unique but not life changing, and I think that's a very good point that he made. It's kind of like saying that PJ Twenty was your favorite show. It was really unique, but PJ Twenty was not not the best show ever. I mean, I I, I have you know we'll we'll cover it at some point, but I mean at the time I was not very happy that they did two nights of Temple of the Dog. That's for sure. I wanted the second night to be all Pearl Jam. Definitely. But um, it, they're, they're not. Both set lists are, it's just, it's it's kind of like splicing in a little bit of what they did at this show with some of the greatest hits. Yeah. And some of it worked and some of it was just kind of forgettable. Some uh, Sometimes when I think about the PJ20 shows, I don't remember that they did some of the songs. I don't remember they did Satan's bed. They, they did. I don't, I don't remember what night they did it. Um, you know, some of those songs, it's tough. It's tough to, to remember all that. I don't remember that they, they closed with kick out the jams half the time. The, the one big thing that I, that I disagree with is, uh, how he mentioned the size of a song compared to the size of a venue. And I was, that I've mentioned, I was at Irving Plaza. That was maybe, if not a thousand people, maybe eleven hundred. They can't get much more than a thousand in that. Venue. It was uh, worldwide suicide, life wasted, severed hand, marker in the sand. You got garden, even flow, given to fly, uh, gone. Why go? Do the evolution, comatose, uh, state of love and trust, porch alive, yellow lead better. There's, I, I I don't agree with a song not fitting in at a venue. I think. I was there and I saw all the I saw literally a a 21 song set of all their heaviest hitters for the big for the biggest stages in the world but as we said this was more of a campfire type night it doesn't fit in the set because of what they were playing not because they're not able to play them on a stage like that I uh like I said I had the same sentiments about PJ20 which is you know a very hit or a very missed show for some people and um I was I was critical about it, but you know it was it was an honest assessment. That's all we ask for. I'm totally totally okay with that. All right, uh, I hope I hope a lot of people talk about this one because uh, you know it is one that deserves to be talked about. So once you know this is the next part that we do is the part that we do at the end of every episode. So you tell us how you feel about it. Why don't we public service announcement it and get us to know who you are. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? 
Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. All right. Like like usual, get in touch with us. If you want to donate to Patreon, we finally got our shit together with Patreon. Um, monthly donations now. No more of this tier bullshit, $40 bullshit. If you donate to us, we'll give something back to you. Uh, I want to do as many fan episodes as humanly possible. So if you donate $5 a, a month, if you pledge $5 a month to us, we'll, we'll give you one, one episode. We'll, we'll bring you on whatever episode you want to do within the confines of what we can do right now. Cause we're not gonna just go out there and say, yeah, you get the Mansfield triple threat. You'll get, you'll get PJ 20. You'll get, uh, this and that. We're going to save some, some of the top shows for, some of the top moments and we want to we want to hit those when it's good to hit those but if you want to do anything else literally anything else you know if you if you pledge five dollars a month to us at least five dollars then we will definitely bring you on for a show and we'll and you'll be part of it you'll get a t-shirt we'll you know we'll, we will treat you like our fan does that make sense perfect <laughs> thanks <laughs> pretty soon we're gonna be doing our next week actually we're, we're gonna be doing our toy drive uh look out for it next thursday the 13th uh we're gonna be doing a live toy drive probably around like seven or eight o'clock at night we're just gonna be running around target and you guys get to tell us it's, it's all the proceeds that we would get from uh uh the patreon donors from uh, the sweat sweaters and from the other online sales that we've been doing uh, we're gonna buy toys and, and donate to toys toys for tots uh, and we're gonna do it all that night so what we want to know from you is get you kind of interacting with us and engaging with us that uh, we want you guys to help us pick the toys when we do the live stream video and I think that'll be kind of a fun thing and maybe we'll give away a, a Christmas sweater or two if we do that so uh, keep keep an eye out for that, and we'll promote it a little more once it comes closer. But uh, thurs, Thursday of next week, the 13th at night, uh, keep keep on the lookout. We're getting close to the end, but we have another episode next week, and we would tell you what it is, but we don't know. I have no idea what it is, uh, because on Wednesday, I posted a poll asking you guys what our next episode should be. So you're voting on it. As of right now, you're voting on it. What I want you to do, if you want to vote for this episode, you go to our Facebook page, you go to, you know, if you go to the porch, if you go to Reddit, if you go to any of the other Pearl Jam official Facebook groups, it's probably on there. There's going to be a link to a Google poll and it'll have five choices for next week's episode and the, the poll is going to end on Sunday. So you had from Wednesday where we put, when we posted this up until Sunday. So it gives us a little time to get some stories and then we'll record on Tuesday or whatever, whenever we record. Uh, so here are your choices. They're all full album shows. We got Moline, Moline, 2014, Milwaukee, which is yield. That's 2014. Philly, 2016, which is 10, 
um, Toronto 2016, which is binaural, and Torino 2006, which is avocado. And try not to vote more than once. That, that's kind of a dick move, but I know that people are trying to do it. Yeah. So we're talking. We're talking to you, Chris Buckley. <laughs> I swear, I swear that he was the one that was doing it in the last one. He he says it, he wasn't. I don't think he was, but it's it's so much fun to put the blame on him because he took it so personally. I, well, you know why? It's because when I when I made the original polls uh, on one of the the Pearl Jam uh, Facebook groups, he added his own option, and I'm like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. That wasn't fair. Oh man! But you know what the option was? The option was Atlanta, right? So we ended up doing that anyway. So clever girl. Yeah, seriously. All right, you got anything else? I think we did a good show today. I think we had a really good guest. If you're yeah, not Dave on, was, Dave was killer. If you're not on LiveFootsteps.org yet, do it. Do it up. It's awesome. You're gonna fall down the rabbit hole hard, and. uh Share, share some of your stats with us. We'd, we'd love to see them. So, you know, that's it's all part of the game. So from now until the end of the year, we have two episodes left. We have next week, which we don't know what episode we're going to do. And then the week after that, which we don't even know what anything is going to be. It, it's We're picking our own show. It's going to be a fun little holiday episode, as we're calling it, the yeah. wishlist episode. We're uh, we're kind of in the dark coming up on these next two weeks, but it's more exciting that way. It is, and then once uh, once the new year comes around, we'll have uh, a Patreon episode on uh, the day of the new year. That's Patreon only, people. Uh, if you want to get in on that, just let me know, or just donate to our Patreon account. Uh, and then the first week of the new year is going to be our first MSG show, and that's going to be a theme going on uh, throughout the year, but. After that, a whole bunch of question marks, and we're taking requests. So we're taking a request, especially anywhere from no code through Riot Act. So if you got a show that you're like, you have to cover this throughout that time period, we're going to really heavily consider it more than we're going to consider other stuff throughout that time. And we're going to do a lot of, January is going to be a lot of uh, Patreon people too, I think. So Sounds good to me. All right. It may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. I miss you already. I miss you always. For Matt, Randy, Dave, live on four legs, livefootsteps.org, Eddie Vetter, Boom Gaspar, Stone Gossard, Stone Gossard, Stone Gossard, Stone Gossard, Stone Gossard. Girl, you know it's girl. You know it's uh we bid you good day bye this is what i'm talking about right here this is what makes me do the business this is the wow factor guys here's the wow factor that my friends is the wow factor right there when's the last time we've been able to yell out the wow factor man la 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 la